Blog Talk Radio. Are you a native son or daughter of the South who pleads the stars and bars? Someone not born in Dixieland, but who is a Johnny Reb at heart and looking for a place to shop that promotes Southern heritage? Well, your search is over. Dixie Republic is the place to go for all things celebrating the Confederacy and promoting Southern pride. Inside the log cabin, just outside Traveler's Rest, South Carolina, Dixie Republic has t-shirts, hats, videos, flags, books, belt buckles, and some of the best mouth-watering barbecue sauce that will ever touch your lips. There's just about everything you want honoring the South at Dixie Republic. Well, you say that South Carolina is a bit too far for you to drive? Have no fear, my friend. All of this is just a mouse click away. Go online at www.dixierepublic.com. You're home for all things celebrating the Confederacy and promoting Southern pride. Listen to Resolution Radio. Radio. ResolutionRDO.com. Surrendering to their intimidation. 
pro-white means supporting whites' rights to a collective sense of racial consciousness, identity, and pride. It means supporting whites' rights to pursue self-determination in our collective racial destiny. Whether anyone likes it or not, the white race has a right to be pro-white. White people don't lack in numbers. What we lack is unity. If we can figure out how to unify, organize, and fight back, show's over. We win. Historically speaking, when white people finally say enough is enough, the entire world trembles beneath our collective footsteps. But a kingdom that has once been destroyed can never come again into being, nor can the dead ever be brought back to life.
welcome to the Resolution Radio Network at ResolutionRDO.com. You are listening to the Sonny Thomas Show, and I am your host, Sonny Motherfucking T, you sweet little bitches. If you want to call in and listen now, it's area code 607-203-5423. It's area code 607-203-5423. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff we're going to try to cover tonight. I had a little bit of a late start here. I had reformatted one of my computers recently, and I wanted to uh, make sure it was up to par. So I'm using uh, that tonight to make sure everything's uh, functioning properly. It's a little bit slower than I expect. Yes, this evening is the host of Dis- American Dissident Voices, Kevin Alfred Strom, who's also one of the main webmasters for National Vanguard uh, for the National Alliance. If you go to nationalvanguard.org, uh, there's a lot of really great articles on there, as well as links to his show, American Distant Voices. But you can also hear American Distant Voices here on Mondays during the Resolution Radio Network. A lot of cool stuff there. All right, we've got a, a lot of stuff we're going to try to cover here in a short amount of time uh, before I bring uh, Kevin on. And I want to get his take on some current events, as well as uh, some topics he covered on the show recently. And... Um, to try to cover, uh, catch some of that overall. So um, we got a new intro as we start beginning the show here, uh, the right to be pro-white, and uh, hopefully you enjoy the, the stuff there. It's definitely a really good clip that I slapped together with one of our regular intros, and uh, we're going to roll that. So we got a couple clips we're going to cover here. And um, some interesting stuff that had popped up recently in some of my downloads. I'm just kind of like, eh, okay, so I have some interesting stuff here. So uh, clean up my audio list here. i got a lot of crap here I need to uh, get on here. Um, one of the things that um, – I want to make sure this clip is the right length because it looks like it's a lot shorter than it should be um, – is an answer to the gender identity. Uh, like I said, this doesn't look like it's registering the right length. So uh, we're going to play this and see what happens. But, you know, we'll get a lot of people talking about this uh, Dylan Mulroney um, jackass. I suppose he went trans. And then uh, Bud Light had made a can specifically for him acknowledging his 365 days of girlhood. And there now's a big brouhaha about that, um, which is good, actually. That was just like a one-off thing. But it just shows you that you any type of acceptance of that alternative shit – is completely unacceptable. Any type of degeneracy offers uh, fucking trans people like that. So uh, when we sit there and, and promote such degenerate behavior, and one of those countries falling apart. But um, this particular guy from the Daily Wire uh, nails it spot on. Let me make sure this is the right one. If not, I'll have to play the regular clip um, and its original core because, like I said, um, I reformed my, my computer recently. I want to make sure everything is correct. Uh, yes. So just in case. You started it. Okay. You started it. You started it. So I see you on social media and on the news and out marching the street crying your crocodile tears and claiming that you're being set upon by fascist right-wingers who won't let you just live your lives in peace. What do we ever do to you? 
Yeah, the clip didn't play correctly. Okay, so I'm going to play the actual file here um, right off my phone. Started. You on social media and on the news and out marching the street, crying your crocodile tears and claiming that you're being set upon by fascist right-wingers who won't let you just live your lives in peace. What do we ever do to you? You started. thing on here. It says two minutes. I don't know why. Hang on. Started. There we go. Let's try to play this again. You started. So I see you on social media and on the news out marching the street, crying your crocodile tears and claiming that you're being set upon by fascist right-wingers who won't let you just live your lives in peace. What do we ever do to you? You. Okay. So I got a, a file that's not quite right here. So let me... Um, Double check who I got it from and see if I can download it again real fast. Cause it says two minutes on my on my phone, but obviously. So let me just save this again. All right, hang started. on. Started. You started. Okay. Okay. So I deleted that one. Let me download this again and try to save this. Actually, I'm gonna play it right off the actual file. Hang on one second. You started. You started. So I see you on social media and on the news and out marching the street, crying your crocodile tears and claiming that you're being set upon by fascists. What do we ever do to you, you cry? Why are you so angry at us? Well, let me answer that question. You see, the, the rest of us were living our lives. We were minding our own business. When you came along and demanded that we abandon everything we know about fundamental physical reality for your sake. That's what you did. You claim the right to walk into whatever bathroom you want, whatever locker room, whatever sports team. Nobody else has ever had that right. Nobody else has ever had that right to just do whatever they want, go anywhere they want. But you want Suicide cult just to make yourselves feel better. You tried to restructure human society to make it affirming to you personally. You wanted to force the whole world to bend to your narcissism. You tried to put words in our mouths. You tried to control how we speak, even when you're not in the room. Your ego is so out of control that you even tried to take possession of parts of the English language, like you can own them as a pet. You wave that hideous, ridiculous flag in our face and wouldn't stop waving it. You demanded not just you, and now you cry victim because some of us have simply answered no. You made demands. Many people surrendered to those demands immediately, but some of us, a few of us, are refusing. And that makes you what? A victim? So some very good talking points there. And a matter of fact, I got into a, a little bit of a discussion on a buddy of mine's um, Facebook post where he was like, maybe I missed it, but he's like, what, what's all the brouhaha about um, Bud Light or something like that? And I, I, I sent two pictures where it showed um, uh, a screenshot of them uh, promoting the fact that he got this can made for him or whatever, and it's like his most prized possession. 
And then the second one where showed someone had taken a picture of where he was like shooting Bud Light out of the can and it's arcing up and it's landing down with like a champagne glass catching the fucking Bud Light. And it's just completely provocative and just look totally perverted, bigger and shit. And instead of Bud Light, it said, it said uh, Pedalite or something like that. Pedlite. And um, so basically, you know, someone got on that. And so uh, so he puts another post on a little bit later, basically stating something along the lines of, um, well, here's here's my thought on this, you know, you know, Basically, who cares what this person does or whatever? Blah 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 blah, and 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 it's off about it. And I was like, you know, first of all, it's promoting degeneracy. Not to mention that a lot of us have fucking kids. We don't want them to fucking see that shit. A lot of us are still very traditional. Whether we have nieces and nephews, grandchildren, whatever the case may be, we don't want our kids or our descendants to be exposed to that type of degeneracy. And then not only that, but they've been really pushing to normalize it and bringing stuff on. It's just absolutely disgusting. So I said, you know, and he's like, oh, basically, psych, you're a, you're a, you know, instead of trying to say a homophobe, whatever. It's like, you know what, dude, I'm a, I'm a general, a classical liberal when it comes to this particular shit. I don't give a fuck what you do in the privacy. You want to and drag, you want to be a fag, that's your fucking business. But what you do in the privacy of your own home and what you do outside that fucking front door are two totally different realities. You know, I've actually been very controversial and say, look, Pee Wee Herman, Paul Rubens, okay, he's been caught having fucking child pornography in his fucking house, all right? And he went to jail over that shit. And apparently he got busted sometime later on for jacking off the peep show. Well, that's what he go to a peep show and end up doing, you know? I don't promote the fucking shit. I don't agree with the shit. But that's essentially what that shit set up for. From uh, Open Your Heart, where she's in like a peep show type of scenario and stuff, and a kid's, you know, watching. Now, that looks really degenerate now, but it didn't look like that, you know, back in 1986. But, I mean, that's the type of format that type of thing is. But, again, did he actually have children in his house? No. Okay, he got video images that appeal to him. Do I agree with it? Absolutely fucking not. Now, who are you going to hate worse? The guy that's watching the shit or the sick motherfucker that made it, okay? Because like anything of supply and demand, someone is always going to have supply and demand. And a lot of times you'd be surprised. A lot of the shit you see out there that features minors is actually done by minors. Teenagers oftentimes make these videos and shit. What are you going to do? Sit a 15-year-old to the chair for fucking making pornographic shit. I mean, it's absolutely disgusting. But the bottom line is, my, my biggest issue is that this is degeneracy. We're putting the shit into public libraries for kids to view and think it's acceptable. We've got video footage in Austin, Texas, where they basically brought into a strip club and, and are encouraged to have young boys money garters. Absolutely disgusting behavior, but that's the type of shit that's going on. They're trying to completely normalize pedophilia. So he's, so he's like, "Oh, so you're gonna get all, you're gonna get real pissed because you know my my sister's day and this that and this. You know, dude, that's your problem. You know, that's your shit you gotta deal with. I don't care what you did privacy at home. That's your business. You know, my biggest issue is once you walk through that threshold known as the front door, it becomes everybody's problem. Okay." 
just like I know a lot of responsible drug users that toke up when they get off of work because, in fact, that's their way of winding down. A lot of them get their munchies before they toke up. I couldn't tell you what the fuck you're supposed to do before you do that type of sick stuff. The kicker thing is they're responsible. They'll at least go get their munchies, make their dinner or whatever, then go do whatever they have to do, and then veg out in front of the television and chillax, okay? Again, what you do in the privacy of your own home is your business. Once you go outside that front door, it's everybody can consume it. And then some stuff is just not acceptable, just like in the old days in Hollywood. Every, you know, Rock Hudson was a leading man for a long time, and he used to always be out with some of the hottest starlets to, to kind of promote his leading man status. But the guy was a Peter Puffer the whole time, you know. He, a lot of his co-stars knew it because of fact that from the Brady Bunch, he was a fag. Yeah, Florence Henderson knew it the first time they kissed on, on, uh, on an episode. She's like, you're gay, aren't you? She's like, yeah, I am. And, of course, you know, again, he tried to keep that as an American all-family-looking thing and as a as a good-round-round round TV dad. But in real life, you know, the guy was a butt-buccaneer. But, I mean, the thing is, again, it's not like he flaunted it. He tried to keep it somewhat under wraps. I mean, just recently, the actor Paul Winfield, a black actor that I've seen a lot of science fiction stuff, including Star Trek II and The Terminator, for example, um, I did not know he was gay. I had no freaking clue. I just recently read his bio on, on Wikipedia thing at all. And, of course, I saw that he had died recently. Um, but he was gay. But he was very private about it. You know what I mean? And that's the thing. If that's, if that's your thing, if you like it up the tailpipe and that's your business, fine. Keep it to yourself. I don't want to have to see this stuff prating out there and flamers out there going, Oh, I'm gay, yeah. I don't give a damn what you do, dude. First of all, you don't hit on me. I don't give a shit what you do. But go take that crap home and keep it in the closet where it belongs. A lot of politicians, a lot of globalists are into that degeneracy because of the fact that it is Luciferian, and it goes against normal nature. That's absolutely disgusting. But anyway, I thought Pierce Morgan actually covered this pretty damn good. Here's Pierce Morgan on the hypocrisy of self-identify. Check this out. Okay, why can't I identify as a black lesbian? <clears throat> well, firstly, I mean, it was... Well, I'm serious. I'm serious. If I can identify as anything mm-hmm. without any need to prove I'm actually what that is, I, I why think... can't I, on International Women's Day, say, I'm Piers Morgan, I'm a black lesbian? I think taking it to a kind of absurd... No, no, data, I think, I think that's what, about quite a with respect, I think that you would already opened the absurdity door by saying it is limitless. You can do what you like. Anyone can say, I'm a woman. So I simply ask you, why can't I? I mean, this point kind of ridicules trans people to an extent. Actually, I think, I think what you think said ridicules trans people, because actually people who, who go through the full process of transition, who actually go through what we used to call a sex change, which I don't think you can muck around with original biology, but those who actually go through surgical procedure over a number of years, I've got great respect for that very difficult journey they go on. I have zero respect for people who just wallop their hand up and go suddenly, I'm a woman, and I want all the rights that a woman has, and I want to compete, say, in sport. I'm a six-foot-four-inch athlete, sprinter, swimmer, whatever, who's competed very mediocrely in male sport, and I want to come in and crush women in swimming pools and in sprinting events and break all their records, perhaps irrevocably, just by saying, I'm a woman. I think that is the absurdity you were talking about. My response was to say, well, if it's limitless, 
why can't I then say whatever I want to say? And you say immediately, as I knew you would, well, that's ridiculous. But my point is, you were being ridiculous. Yes, and I think that's spot on. I mean, a lot of stuff that comes out of Piers Morgan's mouth is complete cack. But at the same stroke, every now and then, he hits a home run out of the ballpark, and that's one of them. So I got to give him credit for that. But like I said, there is so much sick degeneracy out there. And, and the biggest problem is I blame a lot of Christians because of the fact that Christians constantly turn the other cheek or they think God is going to come in and save them. Okay, so, so unseen singing deity is going to come and save your ass. Okay, right, right on. But yet at the same stroke, a lot of these Republican politicians go, oh, we got we to gotta support Israel. Um, remember that Janet Jackson's falling back for the yeah, so what's Israel done for you? Not a fucking thing, but steal your money. Jim Trafficant exposed exactly how much money the Israelis are stealing from the American taxpayer. I think it was, what was it, $33,000 plus for every man, woman, and child in the United States. Multiply that times $330 million. There you go, pal. So, I mean, like I said, that's some sick stuff. And now, supposedly, they're having some upheavals going on in Israel. Well, it's long overdue. Matter of fact, they even talked about, oh, possibly might turn into a civil war. Oh, wow, we couldn't hope for that. <laughs> oh, seeing it, the Jews kill Jews, that would be the ultimate, ultimate send-off, wouldn't it? <laughs> and I'd sit there, and I would just send a whole bunch of popcorn to Palestine and just say, here, I, I, I pop some popcorn and crack open a beer, man, because you're going to enjoy a good show. So, I mean, seriously, that would be some serious comeuppance right there. But, I mean, you know, <laughs> that's some sick shit but and again we've seen a lot of stuff over the last 100 years that is really starting to come to a head we see obviously uh, the presidency has been controlled by the globalists starting with especially Woodrow Wilson we've also seen it only took them what 16 years to bankrupt this country um, after passing the Federal Reserve Act so we had the crash in 20. jackass in the White House, that usurper, is really getting ready to put us in a hell of a tailspin. As a matter of fact, I have an excellent clip from Tucker Carlson to play later on after my guest leaves to kind of cover um, just how serious the petrodollar is about to be completely rejected. I mean, how many times have we invaded countries over their tentative rejection of the petrodollar? Um, Saddam Hussein in Iraq, uh, you know, Gaddafi in Libya, um, gee, name it. We'll always find some reason to invade some country. Oh, gee, it's, look what they did to the Branch Davidians. Hey, man, we don't want to play in your system anymore. Screw you. We're taking ourselves out of your Social Security slave uh, cattle system. Oh, no. Jan Arena goes there and starts shooting people on live television. And it wasn't until they started screaming at the ATF guy, hey, stop by. We got him. We got him on our sides. We're on live television, you stupid idiot. And, I mean, they're just picking off people out there with fucking hands raised in the air and uh, just picking them off one by one. Bow, 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 bow. Yet nothing ever happened to those ATF agents. How convenient. Or if they did, I'm sure they probably got arcade-sided because Hillary didn't want the bad press coverage, right? Hmm. <laughs> That's probably what's going on here. But the bottom line is this. Put on our children. And this has to end. Where are the Christians? Where are you standing up and saying enough is enough? You know, you all want to protest and Trump gets uh, bullshit indictment charges on his ass. And you want to go up there and, and protest in New York City. 
But we're going to protest about this. I mean, I was advocating well over 10, almost 12 years ago that people need to start stepping up and start going to school board meetings and really start paying attention. I've got video footage of it on YouTube still from like 2012, okay, giving my two cents on the topic. And then finally, finally, people start realizing, hey, man, all the school boards are turning into communist indoctrination uh, advocacy groups. It's just like any high company. I saw a video clip recently of um, Judge Duncan, who was invited to speak at Stanford Law, and he was completely heckled to the point where one student blurted out somewhere, we hope your daughters get raped, okay? And then he asked the dean for assistance to try to restore some order in the freaking room, and basically shack like an apologist being there was basically stirring up the pot. Yet he gets paid to come there because he was invited, okay? So here's the Uh, where was it? Some there was some law school. No, not law school. There, there were certain judges that stood up and said we will no longer be accepting standard law students um, to come here. So the serious backlash right off the bat, man. I mean, seriously, that's what we need to do. We need to start having people step up. We can't expect someone like Marjorie Taylor Greene to carry all the weight. We can't expect Lauren Boebert to carry all the weight. You know. I mean, there's only things that someone like myself, Kevin Alfred Strom, you know, Alex Jones to a point, uh, Joe Rogan, podcast and talk show guys, can only push those ideas and get people to at least try to act on it so far, you know, without being a call to action because there's certain repercussions that we have to say certain things a certain way. But the bottom line is this. If you come home and your kid is like telling you all this crap, you need to start asking questions. And don't be afraid of the, the new FBI Stasi coming knocking on your freaking door because you're like, hey, why is my kid coming home and acting like a commie? You know? I mean, seriously, that needs to raise some serious questions. And so those are some of the things I'm going to It really shows just how much the Jews are doing everything they can to completely indoctrinate and, and essentially intellectually neuter our children. So that way, I mean, the, the stuff I see nowadays, I mean, I've got guys at work. One guy's expecting a kid. One guy just had a kid. And already they're talking about just cutting the cord. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? He's like, yeah, man. He's like, well, I told my wife, you might have one more kid, and that's it, man. We're not having any more. I'm like, are you? No, I said, yeah, as soon as I had this kid, man, I'm cutting my shit off. I'm like, dude, you know, I had a buddy of mine who fucking did that after his second kid, and I said, you know, First of all, you were born with those to work, man. Secondly, what happens if, you're, if your family gets wiped out in a car accident? And actually, it almost happened to him, actually, that some neighborhood little ruffian took the uh, lug nuts off his uh, wife's Jeep. And I don't know, she barely left one on or whatever. Anyways, she's flying down the highway at almost highway speed, man. All of a sudden, that wheel came off. Or something. Something really badly happened. Like it got so loose, it obviously it was pretty obvious it was coming loose. It was pulled over. It's like, wow, what the hell? And and I just said, you know, I was like, dude, your wife and your daughter could have been wiped out in that moment. Okay, let's say you didn't even have a second kid. You could have lost your entire family at that moment. Then what do you do? 
let's say two years later, you, you, you meet another great woman, you have an opportunity to rebuild, you're still old enough that you can still have at least one or two healthy children yourself. I mean, I'm looking at some of these rock stars. Brian Adams had his first child, too. He was like 52, man. So, I mean, seriously, there's a reason why we still have it. Plus the fact that when things don't work out with a previous marriage, you get a new one and you want to still have children if it's obvious. I mean, Kevin Alphastrom's done that. He's got a whole second family now, and he's very, very happy. So, I mean, you know, that's the point is the fact that I see a lot of these people that don't have children are more to accept the degeneracy because they don't see it affecting their children. Those of us that have children or even young cousins, we don't want our family to be exposed to that BS, and that's a serious issue in itself. So right off these brief messages, I'm going to bring on Kevin Alfred Strong, and I want to get his take on my comments there. And more importantly, definitely need your support. Please support Resolution Radio. Send check. Wealth Concealed Cash Money Order to Sonny Thomas at P.O. Box 27, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. That's P.O. Box 27, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. We only have um, that are still available. I just actually just got a request for one the other day. Unfortunately, I did not have the size they wanted. So they settled on like one of the last largest we have. So uh, at least they have a nice memento if they can't actually fit in it. But the bottom line is we're hoping to reorder soon, but we've been really focusing on keeping all of our uh, computers and stuff up to par. Like I said, I've had to reformat this one. Um, i got another one that's having some issues. And so we're just trying to stay on top of things. But the support is still coming in. It's still trickling. And we thank you every day for you that still help support this broadcast as well as this network. And we're trying to add new programs to the roster as much as possible. Like I said, every little bit helps so we can grow and increase. To go to um, get Harold Zeger's second edition of his book, Freedom's Nightmare, you can go to author H. Zeger, Z-I-E-G-E-R, um, dot com, I believe. And that's his official website and his uh second edition of his book. Sean was like growing up behind the Iron Curtain in East Germany. Um, in his particular case, he was raised a communist. I realized it was BS and then uh, found Christianity on the way. And when he publicly declared his faith, he got uh, extensive surveillance by the Stasi. So it's pretty interesting. And then when they got to see the files on him and his wife after the wall fell down, it was absolutely amazing the amount of volumes just on him and his wife alone. They roll out a trolley, and they had all these documents, and it's like, wow. So that's what's coming here, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't start stepping up, asking questions at school board meetings, asking questions at city council meetings, start standing up for a, a, a correct election system and a paper-only ballot, this is exactly where we're going. We'll be back right these brief messages. We have the new product at InfoWarsLife.com, BioTrue Selenium. We've had so many requests over the years for selenium, and just recently we were able to source a certified organic bioavailable selenium from mustard seed extract. When you take selenium in the body, it actually benefits the detoxification systems in your body. It helps balance the thyroid gland. It helps detoxify. Selenium is another one of those absolute must-haves. The highest concentration of selenium is in the thyroid gland.
gland, but it's actually used all over the body. As a matter of fact, there's 25 genes in the body that are directly dependent upon selenium. So it really is a all-around nutrient that everybody really needs. I'm taking it now every day. This is so key. BioTrue Selenium is the product, the best selenium that we could bring you. We believe it's the best out there at a very, very low price. Exclusively available at InfoWarsLife.com or by calling toll-free 888-253-3139. By now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Flocket Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. You're listening to Resolution Radio. Radio. ResolutionRDO.com. You're listening to The St. Thomas Show on the Resolution Radio Network. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest price filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. May the blessing of tear be upon you. com. This is the Sunny Thomas Show. If you want to call and listen now, it's area code 607-203-5423. You can also follow us on various social media. We're on Winkin. We're also on Getter, Gab, Parlor, Twitter, and Telegram at Sunny Thomas. Show, and you can also follow Resolution Radio on Getter, Parlor, Gab, Twitter, and Telegram. On Twitter, it's so uh, we finally got some still some presence on that, some, some good stuff. So always uh, always a fun there. You can also follow uh, Kevin Strom on Twitter at Kevin underscore a underscore Strom. And uh, be able to follow. Uh, he always has some really pretty good posts there. And the bottom line is, his show is featured um, on National Vanguard. And I encourage you to go out to that website. On a, I go there on a fairly regular basis myself because, in fact, there is a lot of uh, information that's on there um, that really and you'll be able to uh, also hear past episodes of American Dissonant Voices. 
Ooh, I didn't see this yet. Is um, yeah. an essay, A Tale of Three Roberts, Part One, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. So he just recently announced uh, his run for the presidency, which I think, if anything, will be good for the debates because you actually hear some really good commentary, especially with the fact situation. His book, The Real Anthony Fauci, I do believe it sold over uh, well over a million copies, and they tried to suppress it, but it's, it sold really well. So that's a good thing in itself. Plus the fact that he has, he is the son of uh, Bobby Kennedy, and um, it be interesting to see how far he may get. Now, whether he can meet, match, up with Trump, match up with Trump or not, I don't know. But, you know, it, the establishment is doing the damnedest to make sure that Trump is out and they're going to start pushing for DeSantis. My message to Governor DeSantis, and we recently found out that you are bushy, and we've also seen you push anti-Semitism laws in universities in Florida, completely unacceptable. Secondly, you ask the people of Florida to give you a second term, Governor, fulfill it. Don't be a John Kasich and use that as a, a stepping stone for your future political advances, okay? That is bullshit because of the fact that as soon as Kasich asked us for a second term, he was already running for president. And I was absolutely disgusted because I saw within the GOP here some of the crap he was pulling. And unfortunately, I wasn't high enough to really go because I ran for central, state central committee. So I, I even said, yeah, I'm grabbing bullhorn and let everybody know what's going on up there. He was a thug. And so uh, the only thing he did that was really positive was that he shored up a major deficit we had and actually gave us a surplus. That was about it. But some of his other policies, man, boy, he was a neocon bigger than shit. But, you know, again, um, you can't expect uh, me to talk about this stuff or Kevin Alfred Strom or Alex Jones or Joe Rogan or any of these guys. You have to start acting yourself. Get a bullhorn. Get Either people that have listened to me or people I brought on as a guest gave them a little experience of what it was like, and then I had them guest host, and they really liked it. Some had some short-term radio shows. Others are still doing their own podcasts. The bottom line is someone gave me an opportunity to do my show on their network, and then I started my own network. Now I'll give another opportunity. Now, that's how it works. It just keeps on spreading. But when you get good shows like American Dissident Voices, Kevin always comes up with very, very sound topics. And most importantly is how to empower our people to fight back against the Jewish monstrosity and the uh, pending New World Order. So, Kevin, welcome back to the St. Thomas Show. It's a real pleasure to be here, Sonny. Thank you for having me. I will say your your audio is breaking up a bit, so I don't know if there's anything you can do about that, but I am missing a few words uh, here and there. Yeah, I, I've been hearing a little drops here and there as well, so since I've got this computer kind of set up right now, I can't just switch at the moment, but I'll have to deal with it. Worst case okay. scenario, I may have to go low res and use my phone. But, uh, uh, yeah, Kevin, so... You've probably heard some of my commentary a little bit at the beginning of the show as well as uh, leading into your segment. And uh, we've seen a lot of degeneracy that's really been pushing uh, lately. You know, originally, a lot of the questionable stuff that was in entertainment was uh, in, in the movies back in the old days. And even like the defeated um, beautiful Deutschland, uh, we started seeing a lot more social stuff they've been pushing in movies, such as uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner with um, Sidney Poitier uh, and um, 
Catherine Hepburn, for example, that's a prime example, as well as other commentaries in television shows, such as the Star Trek, where we saw the episode where they had a black and white men that was black on one side and white on the other, and make it look like, well, I don't see much difference between the two. And so, but we know that a lot of Star Trek um, storylines are pushed by the Rain Corporation, and that that's the fact that that was kind of a, a beta type of, of what it, what they were trying to do for a one world government situation. And that Starfleet is basically the military or the exploration section of the Federation, and so that's the situation in of itself. Yeah, really well, the, hard. Uh, the, um, go ahead. The people who are, are the people who are doing that, you know, the uh, Jewish power structure, uh, they held power over the film industry from a hundred years ago, from the beginning yeah, the of beginning. the film industry, and uh, they've been pushing this multiracial propaganda hard ever since they won the Second World War. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, in the early years, they had to pander, I think, to to get to get, get and keep an audience. Uh, they had to pander to the sensibilities and the beliefs and the traditions of our society. The, the you know the white people, the society that white people had built in America. However, as their power got greater and greater and greater, and their influence got greater, and they won the Second World War and were able to sort of reconfigure the entire. Uh, world system to reflect their power, they could take the mask off to some extent. And so we got the movies like uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. We got the overt laws which made it illegal to have a white neighborhood. That's what civil rights was all about. It was so-called civil rights. It was about making it illegal to have a white neighborhood, to have white institutions of any kind. And uh, so that that was pretty overt. And of course, like you, as you said, there are uh, a lot of degenerate things that these Jewish institutions in the media and the Jewish academics who are very powerful in the academy have been pushing for years and years and years. And, you know, I used to think of it more or less in a frame of uh, degeneracy makes a people weaker and they want our people to be weak. And that's why they push drug use. That's why they glamorize the anti-hero instead of the hero. That's one of the reasons they push racial mixing. Also, it's just out and out to, to, to kill us through racial mixing, but partly it's to weaken us. And that's why they promote uh, things like homosexuality. And, you know, all that's true. All of those things do weaken us. And they prefer us to be weak because they want to stay at the apex of power and they don't want any competition. But the more I've thought about it over the years, I can see that that there's another motive besides just weakening us, and that is to mess with our reproduction. You know, what – what does uh, a homosexual uh, do? What does a homosexual uh, mean for the future? If you have a lot of homosexuals, it means there's a there's a, a significant fraction of the white population that isn't going to have children. They aren't going to reproduce. The same is true as if you push feminism. Most people don't think of it this way, but feminism greatly reduces the birth rate. 
because it uh, not only does it involve women in selling widgets to chumps and other useless pursuits, uh, but it, it basically just takes women out of the reproductive uh, uh, paradigm for a, another big chunk of their lives, and sometimes they never reproduce. And so again, you've you've massively reduced the white 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 birth rate by by having a, a feminist culture, a culture in which uh, career women are praised and mothers and homemakers are denigrated. Uh, and what is all this transgender nonsense? Uh, do is it just to weaken us? I don't think so. I think it's to confuse the reproductive. Uh, instincts and the reproductive behavior of our young people by saying, oh, you have a choice. You can just declare yourself to be the opposite sex of what uh, compared to what you really are. You can just uh, declare yourself to be a man, declare yourself to be a woman. I guess you can, you know, do it 20 times a day if you want to. Uh, you right. Now they have these insane people who claim you can declare yourself to be an animal. Well, it's it's not just you know that's funny and there are all kinds of funny things people do with it like uh, oh I'm declaring myself uh, you know to be a billionaire and I want to be treated uh, like a billionaire from now on that's funny sure it's hilarious but there's more to it than that I think uh, so many of these things are designed to prevent the birth of white children uh, abortion on demand abortion convenience abortion well. That prevents the birth of white children. And I could go on and on. I, I won't. But but that's you know that's I think that's a major motivation for the war on us right now for the promotion of all of this degeneracy, is to do what exterminators do to unwanted insects. And the exterminators do a lot of interesting things. I mean, they'll put fake females out there. Well, what's a transgender male but a fake female? What's a drag queen except a fake female? And these fake females will screw with the reproduction of this unwanted species and basically get rid of it, exterminate it. Uh, There's uh, all kinds of things that exterminators do that have very close parallels to what the Jews are doing to uh, our society and other societies that they parasitized. Yeah, well, not only that, but um, have more and more we're starting to see there as much as they're pushing revisionist history um, that we're starting to see other documentaries that really show history that has been denied to us. For example, if you catch any of Dennis Wise's films on the National Socialist Germany, very well, excellently laid out. Uh, for example, Adolf Hitler really shows you just how much of a national leader he truly was. If he was some sort of, you know, uh, shaman that hypnotized the nation to do all this stuff and, and all this other crap like they try to pull, um, it's completely best because if you really start looking down at what he did while he was in office, he did what any head of state would have done within a nationalist agenda to not only secure but to prosper his own people. For example, how he got pulled into Poland when he was trying to uh, retrieve the lands that were taken from Germany after the the back. I mean, he got in the Sudetenland. He uh, went past the, you know, he he took stuff back that properly belonged to Germany. And when he went to save the ethnic Germans that were being massacred uh, in the corridor between Germany and and, uh, Danzig, 
Um, it, he was really able to um, start exposing the heinous crimes that they were doing. If he did not do that, then he, he'd be looking like an empty suit, like, oh, he promotes he's all about Germans, but he leaves us whole, all these square miles of ethnic Germans to be massacred. But the same stroke, he was kind of suckered into that because of that. To go into Donbass and try to uh, wipe out the annihilation of Russian uh, speaking and Russian ethnic people in those two uh, territories there in the Ukraine. And again, there's a long history between Russia and Ukraine that goes back, you know, uh, well over a millennia. But I mean, the point is that um, Putin's trying to do what's, what's right for his people, just like Hitler was doing right for his. And the biggest thing was is to stop the degeneracy that had really escalated after the First World War, especially in Berlin. Berlin was the petri dish of what the Jews were going to do to all of Western societies to get them to be completely degenerate, uh, except bestiality, drugs, prostitution, all sorts of sick stuff. And then uh, the, the inflation was completely out of control and, and completely destroyed a, a country and was on the verge of a communist takeover until the National Socialists finally got enough power that they were able to stop it. But we're starting to see that here on a grand scale in all the Western nations, Kevin. You've talked about it a lot on your program as well because of the fact that when you look at st- stuff that they were pushing in Berlin in the 1920s, here it is in the 2020s, and it's like the exact same st- stuff is just multiplying. Well, one thing I like to talk to people about is uh, their misconceptions about National Socialism and National Socialist Germany. And one of the things you can tell a a normie who doesn't really get it yet, who's been subjected to a lifetime of propaganda about National Socialist Germany, is that you you hear about, oh, those terrible uh, Germans – like to burn books and they say i've seen i've seen films of uh, of the germans those evil nazi germans burning books but what they don't realize is that those famous scenes that they saw of german students uh throwing uh books onto a, a burning pile and burning the books up were were German students who who were you know I think many of them were national socialists and they were purposely burning those books that that much is true but those books were books promoting things like transgenderism quote unquote transgenderism uh, quote unquote sex change surgery homosexuality uh, pedophilia other kinds of aberrant uh, non-reproductive sexual behavior that the Jews were, as you say, pushing in Weimar Germany, just as they are pushing in our country today. And that was the that was the reason those books were being burned. And I think a lot of the people I talk to when I say that would agree those books ought to be burned. <laughs> they're, they're destroying us. They're destroying our children. And if we're going to keep ourselves warm uh, in the winter, that would be an excellent thing to burn in your furnace. And uh, I think a lot of, a lot of Americans agree with that. As for uh, Putin, well, any society that wants to continue existing 
uh, isn't going to do what the West and the United States are doing and embrace all of this uh, sexual chaos, insanity, and non-reproductive perverted behavior going to do that. So I, that's probably the reason that that sort of thing, uh, they have a, a little bit of a lid on it in, in Russia. I don't support Putin, though. Uh, I think Putin really believes that he's fighting Nazis by invading Ukraine. I think he really believes that. I think he really believes that the Soviet Union was right to attack National Socialist Germany. And I also think he believes it's right to jail racial nationalists, people who uh, who want uh, basically a Russia that is for the Russian people and not a multiracial Russia. He puts those people in jail. Unfortunately, I wish it weren't true, but he does do that. And so uh, then on the other side, of course, we have the uh, American foreign policy establishment. We have NATO. We have what I call the uh, the Washington-NATO-Tel Aviv axis. They just want to increase their power to impose uh, economic slavery, uh, usury, uh, Jewish propaganda, foreign ownership of media, and the same sort of sick degeneracy that they're pushing in this country on Ukraine. And that's just, you know, another um, piece of the puzzle for them having total power over all white people. So they say, these uh, American foreign policy types, uh, many of whom are Jews, uh, they say that uh, Putin, because he doesn't want all, all of the sexual degeneracy that we have over here, they say that he's a Nazi. So here you have the 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 uh, Jewish-run Ukrainian government and the NATO uh, puppets who are who are supporting him. Uh, they say they're fighting the Nazis, and we have Putin on the other side. He's fighting them, but he says he's fighting the Nazis. Everybody's fighting the Nazis. I mean, amazing. <laughs> Hitler has this tremendous power through. Uh, 80 years and, and more uh, to control events right now. Actually, he's not controlling these events. They're a pathetic slaughter of white people on both sides for two power structures that are totally worthless to white people. I want something totally new. I want a new power structure. I want a power structure uh, in our country and in all countries uh, that are historically white countries that is a power structure that puts our race's survival first as the first and most important value above all other values. And everything flows from that. Sexual morality would naturally flow from that. Order and organization would naturally flow, flow from that because that's, you know, you need or, an orderly society and an organized society to survive in this dangerous world. And, uh, all sorts of improvements in the e economic conditions for the people would flow from that. And that, that is what we need. Now, I forget who said it first, but it may have been Martin Kerr. Uh, national socialism is the application of natural law, of nature's laws to human societies. And that's, that's what I'm for. That's what the National Alliance is for. That's, uh, that's the organization that, that I'm the media director of the National Alliance. And that's what, what we're working for. We're working for a, a new society based on those values. We've seen just movies and television have uh, shaped many things, um, especially since the peak. I mean, you know, the 1950s to me was like the beginning of a major cultural revolution. I mean, you had Betty Friedan coming out with the Feminist Mystique. 
that was the team of housewives, especially back when we could we, – we, we were unique after the war for two reasons. One is we had – our none of our infrastructure was destroyed except for Pearl Harbor, um, which also gave us an opportunity for eventually half of currency uh, because, again, a lot of our infrastructure was not damaged unlike all the other countries. Secondly, um, we saw a lot of the movies and stuff coming out, pushing multiculturalism, uh, promoting interracial marriages, all sorts of things. And then in the radical 60s, we started seeing a lot of people. The same stroke, we got, we got guys like Teddy Kennedy, who basically in 1965 has thrown open the gates to allow immigration to come in here completely unfettered. And it took a little while for it to to really build up, but we're really seeing the results of that now. And uh, that, that's a very serious issue because the fact that people are just bum-rushing things. But that's part of the clergy plan is to completely override white countries with all sorts of degenerate and uneducated minorities. And the worst part of it is is when you go out and you see somewhere like in Sweden or Denmark or France or whatever, and a single white guy is just minding their own business. And you got five or six monkeys out there, you know, because they like to swarm. They won't fight you one on one. They'll swarm, and they go beat the shit out of you in the middle of the street. You know, there's something seriously wrong here, and you can't fight back. I mean, even in our school systems now, that if you're attacked by a bully or whatever, and you and you go to defend yourself, you're going to be subjected to discipline just as much as the bully. And I, I don't think that's right because if someone attacks you, you have every right to defend yourself. Matter of fact, I would encourage anyone's children that gets attacked. If you get into a fight, make sure you clean their clock, because of the fact that uh, you know you, you got to defend yourself. Not to mention, too, some people forget the moral code of people like a John Wayne type, where if you see someone getting bullied or you see you know a, a girl getting messed with or something, it's up to our men folk to step up and say, "Hey, man, you need to back off from that." You know, you got to be able to step yourself in and just say. That's just not acceptable, man. And, and a lot of people aren't doing that anymore because they're so afraid of the consequences. Well, there's more deeper consequences to not standing up to that type of stuff than there is to, to get deal with the administration afterwards. I mean, in, in one of your recent programs, you talked about how a young man who identified himself as a sovereign um, was brutally murdered by police officers. And the worst part of the situation is is – is him and his family ever going to get any proper justice? Because I know other people that that they were accused or were thought to be a sovereign citizen, and they were heckled pretty bad. And some are ex-military, and we're talking high-ranking military individuals that were basically told, hey, watch this guy. He's a sovereign. It's just like when you read the MIAC report from 2009, when they list anything that's considered Americana, conservative, hell, even a copy of the Constitution in your possession, Kevin, can be considered contraband. I mean, we have seriously started to go down the way behind the Iron Curtain. Like I said, if you ever listen to Harold Zeger, he talks about what it's like growing up behind the Iron Curtain and the outright tyranny of how all individualism is eradicated. There is no way to defend yourself. There's no recourse for any type of wrong think that uh, you try to speak anything out. And if you do speak out, there are some serious repercussions. And we see that now because the left, Overton windows moves so far to the left, it makes someone like John F. Kennedy, who was considered a hardcore liberal of his time, look like a hardcore right-winger nowadays. 
So, I mean, you know, it, like I said, your recent broadcast where you really showcased what happened to this young man and even listen to details of how these guys were just, as soon as they stepped out, they already got black gloves on, ready to go. Like, they were just told, hey, we're going to get this guy. So it's obvious that these guys have either been tipped off or they've been trained to deal with these people like they're outright domestic terrorists. And so here's right. the Right, well, you're talking about Chase Standing Allen. up for himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he's standing up for himself very calmly. And, and, and I watch some of these uh, police watch group videos like on Facebook, and they do a grading system on how the cop did as well as how the, the, the guy that was wrong did. And, and a lot of times when they keep calm – keep the demeanor, try to quote stuff as much as possible, they usually get a much higher grade, and oftentimes the cops are seen as being wrong in the duties. This type of stuff happens all the time, and I'm glad you covered that story, Kevin. Well, you know, Chase Allen, I think, chose the wrong uh, place to fight for his his beliefs. Uh, You're not going to convince – an 80 IQ cop that your legal theory is correct. That's never going to happen. Uh, But so forget that and uh, concentrate on other things. You know, uh, I think we need to be, uh, first of all, I don't think we should be focused on legalism in the constitution. I think that's where these, uh, even if some of their arguments are a hundred percent right. And some of them may be, I, I think some of them are wrong, but some of them may be right. But even if they were totally right, the the angle of trying to enforce the original ideas of the original constitution by quoting old case decisions or quoting principles that uh, maybe uh, uh, George Mason or Thomas Jefferson might have expressed or some judge in 1850 might have expressed, that's not going anywhere. Uh, it's not going to succeed. You, we should... When when the when the cops come calling, well, first of all, it has to be mentioned that the ADL, which is a criminal organization in itself, which was uh, it was basically founded to, uh, it was its founding was inspired by a, a the conviction of a B'nai B'rith official for the rape and murder of a young white girl. They wanted to defend him because he was a Jew, regardless of his guilt or innocence, and they're still trying to defend him and overturn his conviction. But anyway. Uh, these these cops are trained by the ADL, and uh, their administrators are just marinated in the juice of these anti-white Jewish organizations like the ADL to regard any white dissident of any stripe as a potential danger. And that's what the ADL, that's what the Jewish power structure wants. They want us to have special legal scrutiny. They want the cops to be afraid of us, uh, even though most of the police officers are of our own race and uh, maybe have actually in the privacy of their own homes may have many of the same beliefs we do because they see how the non-whites really are because they have to deal with the non-whites in their own territory very often. But nevertheless, they're trained to see us as some kind of dangerous Person, if we're if the if we've been put on a, on a, a list by the Southern Poverty Law Center or the ADL, and so you know Chase Allen was in the middle of all that. Well, my opinion is that we need to be working every single day of our lives just 
like the members of the National Alliance are working every single day of our lives, every minute of our lives to build a new system, a new system where we, white people, have our own country again. And in that country, we have a government that's answerable only to us so that we write the laws for the benefit of our future generations, for the benefit of our kids. We're not going to let them get groomed by these homosexual pedophiles and and, uh, transgender freaks. We're not going to let them die for Israel in some faraway country. We're not going to let that happen. We're not going to let them to be taught to hate themselves and have despair and and believe that their life is worthless and be told that their ancestors were garbage. No, no. We are going to write the laws. We need a society where we write the laws. We have our own government. We pick uh, who is appointed to be a judge. We decide that. Uh, We decide what the policies of our country are going to be. And, you know, that's what we need. That's what we've lost. Uh, You're talking about the 50s and 60s. It was after the Second World War that all of this really accelerated because, as I said, the white people who were represented by Germany and Italy and their allies in World War II lost that war. And mm-hmm. the people who wanted white people dead, the Jews who were the real power behind the United States, won that war. And everything since then, all of our history since then, has been opening our borders uh, making white people demoralized, making white people feel that it's unfair for us to have our own territory anywhere, any country anywhere that's white, that's evil, that's morally wrong, and basically baring our throats so they can they can slit them and taking away our property and power and our, our ability to even have a next generation of our people that considers itself a part of our people and wants to continue living. They've They've taken all of that away from us, so we need to get it back for some place on planet earth to call our own and just wasting time arguing with a cop is stupid. You need to be working to replace the whole system that stands behind that cop. And right. And at the same stroke, <clears throat> we, we do know that the, the cops are the, are the last line of defense for um, any type of Republic whatsoever, but the same stroke, I'm not going to uh, bend over backwards and say, oh, yeah, we need to support the cops. There needs to be some serious reform. I mean, first of all, my biggest issue is they're, they're basically turning into armed meter maids, first and foremost. Secondly, they're always getting involved in people's businesses they ain't got no business getting involved in. Another big issue is let's say you and your spouse have a, an argument just normally above uh, you know, normal conversation level. A neighbor hears you. And they call the cops and say, ooh, I think there's a domestic dispute going over here. When a cop comes over a lot of states, um, just the fact that they've been called, someone has to go to jail. And that's BS. And I, I've known people that gotten screwed on that, and they, they find every little minor thing they can think of to make it look like especially the man is the aggressor. I mean, it's absolutely insane what they try to, uh, try to fornicate as DV when it's just, you know, you can have a rapport with your, your spouse, and you just like to rib each other and give each other crap over stuff, you know? It's like, oh, yeah, I just talk smack to him all the time, and, yeah, she talks smack to me, and I, I love it. But but to a neighbor, 
make it sound like you guys are viciously, you know, arguing with each other. And it's like, but yeah, cops don't want to listen to that. They're like, oh, we got called. Somebody's got to go to jail. Because bottom line is they got they got to get a marker. And uh, they, they put all sorts of fabrications in their reports, too. But my biggest issue is that uh, gone are the days when of Ozzie and Harriet when you would call and get a, get a cop to get your cat out of the tree. You know, those days are long gone. Um, my biggest issue at this particular point is What's happening to a lot of our police forces is similar to what the Romans used to do uh, when they would take over a province. They would um, they would actually go and essentially um, bribe or, or try to own the police forces and then um, basically use them as um, uh, to, to push their will by proxy. And we've seen that the British Empire did that a lot. Matter of fact, Hitler was amazed that as large as the British Empire was, they barely had, what, 50,000 troops stationed all over the world in all these provinces and stuff. So, I mean, he was amazed at how well they were able to govern and maintain order with very little uh, troop presence. But yet when Germany wanted to try to get their colonies going, oh, no, we can't have any competition. Uh-uh, we got we to gotta destroy Germany. So, I mean, you look at all the stuff that Germany is advocating during National Socialism and – you really start reading what National Socialism was. And and I think the thing, the reason why they hated it the most is because it wasn't Jewish controlled. They also took out usury. But the bottom line was this came from the mind of one man who reaffirmed essentially nature's law and applied it to government. And whether you like it or not, at least in the short term, National Socialism works because you saw how they were almost the verge of collapse in 1933, and by within two years, he had almost full employment, and the country was very prosperous. But yet, FDR was thinking he can spin him way out of a depression, and it didn't work. You know, it it took another 10 years to even start even seeing some numbers, and it finally took a war to make that happen. So I mean, again, you look at how degeneracy and all this other stuff is wiped away, and you get a people that believe in themselves who try to keep maybe class warfare down to a minimum, if not taken away at all, and give them something to strive for as a people, that is the definition of a nation, Kevin. And I don't see too many countries around here that have nationhood anymore. And that's exactly what the globalists want. Yeah, there's no there's no place for white people anymore. There's uh, Every white country has to have open borders for non-whites whenever the non-whites want to come in there. And if you, as a national leader, a political leader in any white country, want to reverse that, then you are the incarnation of evil, according to the Jewish media, and they will do their best to destroy your political career. So, yeah, on every front, the goal is to deny us what we need to survive as a race. And to survive as a race, you need territory. That's one of your most basic needs. You need an exclusive territory that is just your own. Nobody, nobody around the world is saying the Japanese shouldn't have their own nation. Uh, nobody is saying that the uh, Ugandans should, shouldn't have their own nation. They're only saying that Frenchmen and Germans and Italians and Poles and Swedes and Norwegians and Brit- Britons – and Americans, white Americans, shouldn't have their own nation. 
a white American wanting his own nation, a white Britain wanting his own nation, uh, any any European person wanting his or her own nation is some kind of incredible evil, according to this false morality that's been imposed on us. But actually, it's not only not incredibly evil, it's not evil at all, it's necessary. You can't live as a people unless you have your own nation. Well, another thing they want to mess with and deny us that we must have is we must have a next generation because human life is limited. We only live uh, you know, less than 100 years, less than a century. Almost all of us, we're, we're gone after that. And we need a new generation. We need a new generation every 20, 25 years or so. And uh, if we don't have that, we're dead. It's a necessity. And yet they're messing with our sexual behavior and our natural sexual reproduction in every single way that they can, promoting any kind of degeneracy as long as it leads to fewer white children. And so, again, they want to deny us what we absolutely need to survive. Another thing we absolutely need to survive as a race, as a people, is we need to keep our wealth for our own people. We need generational wealth. Wealth yes. passes through the generations and benefits the next generation and the generation after that. What Wealth that builds up over the generations so that the fourth and the fifth generation are much wealthier, much wealthier than the current generation. And they have set up a financial system that's, that skims off a large percentage of our wealth every time we make a transaction, every time we purchase anything, any time we try to save our wealth. No matter what we do, they're skimming off their percentage, and it goes to the Jewish power structure. It goes to the big banks. It goes to their financial institutions, and it's taken away from our people, and they do it through the tax system too. And Mm -hmm. so there, there's a third thing that they're trying to deny us that we absolutely need if we're going to survive. And so if that's not genocide, I don't know what is. That is part of their manifesto of Agenda 2030 is they want to eliminate inheritance. And uh, which I've often, I've I've always uh, thought about this over the years, that America is unique because of the fact that you can create something and it can last for generations if you do it right, especially if you have, um, you know, a discipline that's agreed upon in your family lineage that something, you know, someone does something, you need to honor what that person did, if not improve upon it. I mean, how many times you see an actor that we like has had a long career and then maybe their son follows their footsteps and has a very, very successful career themselves, you know, or, um, doesn't do the same type of roles our father does, maybe does some more edgy films, and maybe uh, eventually become a, a, a director in their own right, you know. But my biggest issue with that is the fact that if you create something, there should be a legacy. And one of the things we see that in communism is, they again, they want to destroy the individual. And what I'm seeing in this cancel culture is paramount. I often use the scenario where if you have, um, let's say someone, uh, you know, you have a white woman who um, is, has been an educator, and she believes that all children should be given education regardless of race, regardless of background, regardless of status, and educate them to the best of their ability 
which however the, the student was able to respond, regardless of the black, white, or whatever, okay? And you'll always know that this lady was an educator. How many people may have come back years later and says, wow, she really was a mentor to me, or whatever the case may be. Maybe that's why I became a teacher. Again, doesn't matter if they're black, white, or whatever. But the bottom line is they, they dedicate a new school building to this teacher, even while she, maybe while she's still in her career before she retires and says, you know, ma'am, we really wanted to honor your, your dedication to education to all children so they have a, a chance to make something of themselves. And, and if they want to, great. If not, at least you've given them an opportunity. And we will always remember your contribution as an educator first. Tires, maybe dies. Now, 20 years later, you start getting minorities in positions of power and influence, and all of a sudden we go, oh, let's look at Alice Riley's uh, name on this school now. Uh, well, we need to change it to Shambhalala. Just simple fact that it's named after one of the little black tribes in Africa, okay? Whatever the case may be, who never did a damn thing in their life, or maybe they were, oh, they were oppressed. Uh, oh, I'd, oh, even better. Let's name it Bantu Stephen Biko. Ah, there we go. Let's name it Biko School, who had nothing to do with America, but we're just going to name it after one of their, their African buddies, right? And then another 20, 30 years goes by, and then all of a sudden the Hispanics come in. Oh, we're going to change that to Cesar Chavez High School or something like that. You forget the whole reason why we name things after people that actually did something with their lives, especially when they're trying to, you know, help everybody. And it's like now they've got to be canceled just because they're white. Or, or again, John Wayne should be canceled because of a one statement he made in an interview in Playboy in 1971. that says, well, I agree. I believe in white supremacy for the simple fact that until the blacks and others step up and start take, doing their load and, and start carrying their fair share, then we obviously need to stay at the top of the food chain. That's just the order of things. Oh, no. We have to have John Wayne Day in California canceled because of one statement they took out of context. Uh, in, in an interview he did in 1971, so his whole career has to be forgotten about, and everything he stands for as far as Americana goes. I mean, just recently I saw his ranch that he lived on for many years, Kevin, for sale again. When it was sold before, it became a dude ranch. Now look at this, was it 2,000 acres or something like that, this beautiful farmland somewhere near San Diego or whatever, and it's like, oh, I could see some liberal real estate entrepreneur go, oh, yeah. Not only am I going to take that up and cut it up and put it in the shopping malls and Section 8 homes, but just the fact it was John Wayne so I can piss all over it. And that's that's what they want to do. They don't care what this guy represents. They don't care the good he did and the influences he did for people. It's the fact that they disagree with him, and he's a white man, that he must be eliminated in any way, shape, or form. Well, every every people always names its cities and builds its monuments and names its institutions after its own. That's just natural. That's a, that's a law mm -hmm. of life. If you think that America, you know, once it turns into a, a an almost fully non-white country is going to keep the names of, of uh, white great achievers uh, in its institutions or its cities, et cetera. And then over the long term, you're just crazy. They, uh, race trumps everything. Race is – it's not just some uh, hick in a trailer court who, uh, you know, hates black people. That, that's not it at all. Race mm -hmm. is a very deep 
thing. And it informs everything that an individual does, a society does, and uh, every society is going to name its institutions and its cities and its uh, various uh, uh, things that it wants to, you know, confer as an honor in the name of its own people, its own heroes. I mean, even within white societies, you don't see. Uh, Poland naming things after George Washington, <laughs> they're going to name it after a Polish person. That's just the way it is. So if you think that these uh, savages that we've imported, once they've managed to chop off enough heads to have total power of temporarily, if you think they're going to uh, name th- continue to name things after Woodrow Wilson or even Jimmy Carter, who practically worshipped them, uh, you're crazy. That's not going to happen. They're going to rename them, and it doesn't matter if they were slave owners or not. And it's even worse is that even if they're, you know, social justice warriors, and and try to pull a bunch of stuff, it's like, oh, it, it doesn't help the, the fact that you you sold out as a white person. Oh no, now that you're white, you have to be totally canceled. I mean, like I said, you look at a lot of these radicals, even musicians from the '60s. I mean, look how far left Paul McCartney is as well as Ringo Starr. I mean, the Beatles was a whole other issue in itself. Some say that was also a psyop as well. But, uh, you know, you often see, uh, especially after his second wife, Paul McCartney is pushing to have landmines, um, you know, abolished and stuff like that, which is a noble effort in its own right, because his wife had gotten um, uh, had gotten maimed because of a landmine. But well, I went to a Ringo Starr concert a few years back, Kevin, and uh, I go to one of his booths, and he's got a T-shirt available for sale, and it's a picture of the gun barrel twisted and knot statue to see in front of the U.N. And I said, wow. I said, he's actually promoting a shirt like that? Now, I know he's always been a peacenik, but he's a gun grabber too? I was like, you know what? I said, I think I'm good. I think whatever legacy he has and um, longstanding uh, music, whatever he may have as a, as a living beetle – is irrelevant now because of the fact that he's a outright global gun grabber. And that's the thing that really gets me. But no matter how much he virtue signals and say, yeah, we need to take the guns out just like to do in my country. Oh, yeah. Well, look at your country. You're almost 50% of your population are Muslims and Africans. And then mathematically, because you cling to Christianity, not that I support uh, polygamy, but the bottom line is, when you've got a group that comes in and can have five or six wives and they can breed five or six children apiece, mathematically you cannot compete. And and the worst part of it is they don't give a damn about their children. They would just as soon put a bomb on them and, and blow up a damn church if they think it will serve their their cause. Because they think, oh, Allah's waiting for you in, in heaven with 72 virgins. Oh, yeah, you want to tell your six-year-old that when you send him into a shopping store to blow up the place because it's full of Christians. I mean, again – don't have the same regard towards human life like we do. I mean, as much as they try to make Sinn Féin and the IRA look like monsters, man, they're not even on the scale compared to what Muslims can do to people, especially when they're trying to take over that country or start with your all's neighborhood, you know? Well, I, I don't think that, uh, you know, these, these uh, black-worshipping, multiracial leftist white types who support Black Lives Matter uh, are going to save themselves in the world they're creating by 
being for Black Lives Matter. I, I don't think I, I, even right now, I don't think if, if some white liberal uh, person is going to walk across all of Chicago uh, at midnight uh, on a weekend, uh, I don't think it really matters whether he has a Black Lives Matter T-shirt on or not. I think he's right. going to have some trouble. All right. Well, not that, but I, I was at a um, I was at a um, conference about five years ago, four or five years ago, down in Georgia, and uh, Dr. Michael Hill from the League of the South was one of the speakers. And one of the things he talked about, he said, when we can't even defend when our women are actually accosted in broad daylight, that's our fault because we didn't stand up and do our duty as men, that we didn't actually start to say enough of this crap and start doing something about it to counter it. And then these Christians are bringing them in and say, oh, you're all God's children. We're here to help you. Yeah, pretty soon they're going to outpopulate you, rape your women, and kill your children. I mean, seriously, as much as Trump got a lot of hell for for calling you know a good portion of the Mexicans coming over here rapists and thugs and drug dealers a good portion of them are you know but the bottom line is that that really scares me is that the borders are completely wide open and Trump at least tried to do something even though he was hampered every step of the way to the point where at least and Coulter called him out and says hey you say that you're building the border wall what are the exact coordinates of where this stuff's at because we're not seeing it but apparently something was built. But what, what's interesting is the question between um, state sovereignty and, and the powers in the Constitution to tell the, the federal government to deal with immigration is that Texas, when they go to take steps to try to defend their border, either by using um, you know, storage containers or whatever to try to build a makeshift wall and to put Constantine wire on the top, and they say, oh, no, you got to take that down or we're going to sue you like they did in Arizona. Well, you know, you got to start really asking yourself, man, hey, you know, I mean, when George, when George Wallace stepped back and let that black girl walk in that school, that was considered probably the last true battle of the American Civil War when he blinked and let that girl walk in. He never should have let that happen. But now we have some governors that are at least trying to do something about this crap, and the federal government is doing everything they can to do the same thing they pulled back in the 60s. Well, I I do wonder about these politicians, uh, how much of it is real and how much of it is just showboating to get the white vote. But because the white vote still is important in some jurisdictions, not all, but in some jurisdictions, uh, you know, uh, they will say, let's build a wall. Let's be tough on illegal immigration. But how many of them will say the word white? or the word non-white, because when they'll do that, that's when they'll get my respect. When they say, we need to stop non-white immigration. We need to stop non-white migrants. And we need to have a racially uh, pure area for our people to reproduce, to find mates, to live their lives where they're not harassed, not endangered by the presence of other races. And when a politician says that, then I'll respect him. I don't respect Donald Trump. Uh, Not only did Donald Trump uh, bow down to Israel and Jews almost as if he worshipped them, but 
he even said, uh, well, yes, we need a wall, but it needs to have a big, beautiful golden door in it so we can get the excellent, wonderful non-white immigrants that have good quality and are vetted not to be terrorists. To hell with that. We need a white nation again. That's what we need. You know, know, what really pissed me off about him is the last day in office was he pardoned 28 people and like 19 of them were Jews. And one of them was his own, essentially his brother-in-law, which is his son-in-law's father who was convicted on uh, real estate fraud. So that to me says a lot. Yes, a long list of Jews and a long list of Jews and non-whites. Uh, of various stripes were pardoned by Trump, both right at the end and also during his presidency, and was a single uh, January 6th defendant pardoned by Trump? He he had the power to do that. I don't think so. Right. And now that, but just the, the outright treatment of those individuals is incredible. Even with some of the video footage that McCarthy's put out, you know, obviously the, the QAnon shaman has been released, and um, several others or asking for, um, you know, essentially uh, a move up with their trial or to have the cases dismissed altogether just because there's new footage out there, and yet these judges won't do it. For example, John Schaefer. I mean, did he did, did pardon James Alex Fields? No. Did he pardon oh, any no. white person who's been put in prison because of political persecution? No. Oh, no in fact, no. I don't no. think I ever heard the word white uh come out of Donald Trump's mouth. I don't believe I've ever heard that. Yeah, now, I, I, when he first was dealing with Charlottesville, he was trying to be in the middle. And he says, there's people, bad people on both sides. And I was like, no, there wasn't. There's only bad people on the left side. I know I was there. I filmed the damn thing. And I was actually going to contact yeah. him and say, sir, you're wrong. You know, I was actually there filming it. And um, uh, I mean, the, the, the protesters who were the right-wingers were attacked by the counter-protesters, as soon as they got within, like, 50 feet of the park, the first group was attacked head-on. And I'm just kind of like, wow, dude. And then all the all the stuff that was thrown at them into the park and everything, I mean, there's all sorts of – I didn't want to describe some of the stuff that, that was thrown, man, but there was a lot of biologicals, if you know what I mean, okay? But I was just like, dude, mm-hmm. I mean, it was not a good situation. And, and then, and then the, the powers that be – collapse the whole thing because the real purpose was they wanted to stop the speeches. They want to make sure the speeches were not recorded because of the fact that once that stuff was uploaded to the internet, uh, it might have actually put some serious concrete behind their cause. And so they made sure 15 minutes before the speeches were supposed to start at noon, they made sure they collapsed that whole situation and forced everybody out. And uh, it was a mess. And, and after that, a lot of these groups, you know, Leaders fell on their own swords and all sorts of controversies, and most of those groups either aren't around anymore or they're in such a limited capacity, they're not even on the radar anymore. Well, uh, I have to admit that that torchlight parade the night before was rather beautiful when uh, you saw a group of young white men saying that Jews will not replace us. Uh, That was beautifully done, but a lot of the rest was very poorly planned. Uh, I think that the announcing to your enemies – what you're going to do and when you're going to do it beforehand is probably just generally a bad idea. Also, I think there is a very great risk in having these disparate groups with leaderships who are jealous of one another, 
with really incompatible ideologies all come together and trying to unite. I think that really is a mistake. I think the National Alliance approach, and I'm a member and an official of the National Alliance, of working to build a community with a united will and a united leadership, all moving in the same direction is the same is the way to go. And so we we weren't. I, I guess we, there probably were some members at Charlottesville. I used to live in Charlottesville, but I didn't live there when this happened. But I mm-hmm. I think what we're doing down in Upper East Tennessee, um, and you can read about it at nationalvanguard.org or natal.com, n-a-t-a-l-l.com. We're building a community. We purchased uh, land. We purchased uh, a great deal of land just in the last couple of years. We're refurbishing residences. Uh, We're building an infrastructure so that white families are getting together, raising children, uh, raising them outside of the uh, the evil system that preventing them from, or we're preventing those kids from being taught to hate themselves. We're building a library and research center, which is centered around several libraries, the most prominent of which is the library of our founder, Dr. William Pierce. And we are working to make ours an organization that can be the kernel of a new community that will eventually be able to survive the centuries and preserve our gene pool, preserve our traditions and the knowledge that people like William Pierce and others have so that can live forever from generation to generation. And I think that's more important than getting a bunch of uh, people together and shouting at uh, Antifa in the streets. Uh, Now, Dan, do you run the Dr. William Luther Pierce archive on Telegram? Uh, I think that uh, that is an individual effort, not an official effort, and I'm not connected with it. Okay, because they, they, they do post some of his uh, classic clips uh, from time to time, either on a particular subject or whatever, and it's always good to see those. And sometimes they take the time to do like a little uh, slideshow with it and uh, – very informational because, like I said, the wisdom that Doctor well, had we, we, is incredible. It may be that this is some, yeah, this may be somebody who's uh, uploading our slideshows because we had a volunteer who worked for several years creating slideshows uh, of Doctor Pierce, mostly of Doctor Pierce, but also of other National Alliance activities and activists, and attaching these slideshows as a video track to go with Doctor Pierce's radio programs, which I have spent many hundreds of hours restoring and remastering. Uh, And so it may be that it's somebody who's uploading those. I hope it is because so many uh, people take Dr. Pierce's speeches and then they, they, uh, they upload them to some social media site, but then there's no place for people to go. They don't put the national Alliance URL on it. They don't put nationalvanguard.org address on it. There's just no place for people to go, but you know, those, those programs that Dr. Pierce produced are uh, are the legacy of the Alliance, and they're the property of the Alliance. And they really anybody who puts anything up from Dr. Pierce really, I think, has a moral obligation to put natal.com, n-a-t-a-l-l.com, or nationalvanguard.org, or both, on the video. And I hope that's being done. Uh, of course, uh, 
we sell these uh, in uncompressed uh, high fidelity uh, recordings uh, that you can buy at our at our store, which you can find uh, at cosmotheistchurch.org. We uh, we run our store through the through our church, which which also was also founded by Dr. Pierce, and. Uh, there's a lot of media that we uh, we produce. I'm the media director for the Alliance, so we we have many many articles, uh, well over ten thousand articles that we've put up, both in print form and also on NationalVanguard.org uh, that people can read, and they include a lot of works by Dr. Pierce, including his radio work. Yeah, matter of fact, I'm looking at your um, CDs and DVDs section on CosmosTheistChurch.org, and you've got twelve volumes of um, The Power of Truth uh, from uh, William Pierce, as well as a reissue of uh, Call of the Blood by Dresden. Um, yes. On there as well. And also, very interesting, you actually have uh, the Turner Diaries audiobook, audiobook narrated by Dr. Pierce. So, I mean, that in itself is a nice little um, uh, archive as well because of the fact that I'm a big fan of when authors um, do audiobooks because I feel closer to the author when I listen to them. Um, sadly, yes. Ron Paul has, has written several books, but he's never narrated any of them. He always has someone else do it. Um, but, you know, for example, like Sarah Palin, she had two books, and she narrated both of those. And I felt a little bit more closer to the author because I was able to hear it. And the others just have a very good speaking voice, like uh, David McCullough, who um, – writes a lot of historical books like on John Adams and things. And he oftentimes does his own audio books as well. So like just, just one on John Adams, I think is like a six disc set, if not more, but it's nice to be able to hear those because, you know, if you have a long drive, it's nice to hear audio books like that because a lot of times I remember lectures better than I remember reading material because the fact that someone actually told mm-hmm. me something and something they said sticks in my head. Whereas if I'm reading a book, that may not stick with me right away. So, and not only that, but it's nice because later on, maybe you, you're putting together a nice little snippet of something, and you can actually use the actual lines of dialogue, maybe from that person to underscore a thing. Like, um, um, I was kind of trying to think of the young man's name. Was it Robert J. Matthews? You know, that, that clip that, yes. that uh, he yeah. spoke out like in 94 or something like that. And uh, I I saw that um, um, oh shoot my mind's really not running tonight. I saw that the Nordic Resistance Movement had put together a really cool promo video featuring that speech, and it was a little bit edited down. It wasn't the full version; it was edited down, and they made cooler promo video featuring members of the uh, other group as well as uh, white people in general and stuff. And it was a very powerful clip. And it was able to use that speech to really underscore all that. And I was like, wow, that was amazing. So when you actually have creative people, you can take existing material and give it all new life. Stuff like that really matters. That's the beauty of our people. Yes, it does. We and are that, very creative you know, as, Dr. as a race. Dr. Pierce, because of these recordings of his voice, uh, not only the Turner Diaries, which is excellent. I encourage everybody to check it out. It's, it's perfect. Uh, but his radio program, he's really not dead. Uh, people right. are listening to his voice every day. I mean, for example, we run a 24-7 radio network, 
and a very large part of the programming on the National Alliance Radio Network is Dr. Pierce's speeches and his radio programs. And uh, we also uh, uh, have some of the chapters from the Turner Diaries up there, too, that you can listen to in order and get a sense of that story. And so and I go there and I look at the statistics and I see that you know, in the last uh, 30 days, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people have been listening to Dr. Pierce's voice. His voice is being heard. And, you know, my voice is on there, too. So when I do my radio show or when I do an interview like this, it's, it, 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 it lives on. It multiplies our voice. And that's one of the great things about the Internet age and the digital audio age, because no matter how much they try to squash it, it pops up again somewhere else. <laughs> And uh, truth is powerful. Dr. Pierce told the truth, and I do my damnedest to tell the truth, too. So, uh, well, we need organizations. Just a a bunch of individuals doing an individual effort isn't enough, and that's why I've put my life energies into the National Alliance, because I think it's something that will be permanent. Uh, The National Alliance uh, had its beginnings in 1969. It was officially incorporated by Dr. Pierce in 1974. So the official incorporation, the 50th anniversary, is coming up soon. I think that it has survived the test of time. You've also mentioned before that um, and also the building of the um, Dr. Pierce Library, that he had a vast library of books and all sorts of reading material some obviously that he purchased on his own others that were given to him by listeners or or just uh people that are just general um you know history guys and it was interesting is that uh are you going to try to include all the books that he had in his library because you had shown a picture before and it was pretty massive from what i saw because one of the things I, i really liked about when i go see thomas jefferson's house at monticello is that when he died, he had sold a lot of his books to pay some, for some of his debts. But then over time, people started returning those books or selling them back to the estate so they could return them back to mm-hmm. the proper owner's ownership. And a lot of the books that are in Jefferson's house were the actual copies he had owned. So that's always a neat thing. But um, yes. I, I, I'm assuming, A, you're going to keep the actual copies probably behind <clears> – <throat> You know, case in glass per se, and then try to find new copies of these that might be available for the library to use. Correct. Well, we are preserving all of Dr. Pierce's personal library. It's 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 uh, it's the original volumes. He has owned them. They're not going to be behind glass though. They're just going to be behind locked doors so that only <laughs> serious researchers who are working for our cause will be able to access them, but they will be available to those who are writing articles, doing research. And uh, there are other libraries, uh, the library of uh, Dr. Gant, who was a rather famous astronomer who supported the National Alliance, is part of that our library now. And there have, have been uh, several other libraries, uh, some of them quite large, that have come into our hands thanks to the work of our chairman, Will Williams. Who, you, you know, some people collect books. He collects libraries. And all of them are being put under one roof. Right now, we've built the warehouse uh, external walls and structure. We're building the interior now. Once the warehouse is built, then the books will go into it temporarily, and then we're going to build the actual library and research center. 
Uh, right now, the books are in temporary storage uh, while we build the warehouse. But everything is protected. We haven't sold anything except there have been a few that have been sold that are duplicates. We don't really need duplicates. We're not a lending library. We don't need five copies of, of certain books. But uh, nothing is the, – the library is not being sold off except for an occasional duplicate. Uh, there, there was a segment that someone had posted, again, maybe in that, uh, that little archive there on Telegram. But he explained the, the differences between – fascism and national socialism and says everyone wants to lump these two together as being the same and it's like actually they are very very different from each other they have some common ground on some things they're very different on their overall uh reach and and goals and it's because you always see how much hitler and national socialism is vilified but you never hear anything about mussolini and fascism it's like it, it's like the war of 1812 it's like Oh, it's just a skirmish. We don't need to talk about that. No, dude, there's a lot of things that happened during the War of 1812 that are relevant. But when it comes to Mussolini, you don't hear anything about him. I mean, the most I've seen, and I haven't seen that many documentaries either. The only film I've seen on on the man is a crappy one that Antonio Banderas did like in 1993. was like the rise and fall of Mussolini, and, and, and it was misnomered. It was actually the rise of Mussolini until when he comes to power. And who knows how much of that was accurate. But, I mean, Dr. Pierce did an excellent comparison between fascism and national socialism and, and really showed the meat and potatoes of how they're similar but definitely not the same. And I think when you find more things like that that Dr. Pierce did where he really focused on segments like that, um, that's definitely something for, um, again, our learners to be able to go back and listen to and go, oh, wow. And then have a, a serious aha moment, you know what I mean? Because everything that the left does now, they claim everything that's right wing is fascist. Because in, in the public universities, and I saw this even in my community college, that their idea, their political philosophy, instead of a, a right angle triangle where the very tip at the at the right is, you know, no government at all, which could be anarchy, and very far left at the fault at the very end of the triangle is totalitarianism. Their view is is like a bowl model, that it's like a crescent, that not that national socialism is far right and that communism is far left and that America the, the American public is somewhere in the middle down the bottom. Well, if you take that proper spot and put it where it belongs, it's it, that thing is supposed to be more up on the left hand part of that triangle, because by nature, national socialism may not have been meant to be authoritarianism, but how it was executed was. Whereas fascism and everything else, I think it's even more more totalitarian than national socialism was. But again, you put that in a proper perspective, they they give you this model which is completely inaccurate, but this is how these left wing students think. They think that that model is how things are and that America is so bad because it's it's actually in the middle of these two things. Well, maybe they don't think at all. Maybe they just parrot what they were told. Uh, maybe they're not really thinkers. They're they're just team joiners, and uh, they've joined a team, and they're going to support that team, and that's all there is to it. They'll say the arguments, they are the thinking. If there is any thinking, it just is how can I support my team? <laughs> so uh, I don't really care what their models say. I, I don't think that their models matter. Their models are mostly stupid and irrelevant. 
what is important is the survival of our people. What's important is that, uh, you know, yes, uh, we need a state. We need a government. Uh, any people that doesn't have a government is dead in the water and is going to be uh, rolled over by the tanks of states, <laughs> the, uh, peoples that do have militaries and governments and power. So if we're going to survive in this world, our tribe, the white tribe, needs a military. We need to be organized, and we need to have authority to keep our people pointed in the right direction. That's just basic. That's just so basic it's not even funny. Uh, just Total individualism is, is not going to cut it. You need to have an organized society. And totalitarianism, well, is that good or evil? I would just say it depends on what you're using it for. Uh, right. Totalitarianism, the way I understand it, maybe, maybe my understanding is not right, but I, it means a society that is mobilized in every aspect, its culture, its government, its educational system, uh, it's military, everything for a single purpose or a small set of purposes. And if that purpose is the survival of our race, the survival of our people and the projection of our gene patterns into the future, then why is it bad to be totally dedicated to that, to have an educational system that is totally dedicated to that? to have an economic system which serves that purpose, to have a government which serves that purpose. Why is that total dedication bad? I don't think it is bad. In fact, I think we need that. However, you could have a, a government and a state and institutions that are totally dedicated to wiping out our race. And that's pretty much what we have now in the United States of America. Yes, uh, totally. The corporate establishment, the, the cultural establishment, the government itself, politicians, uh, both conservative and liberal, they would all rather die than be called a white racist. In fact, they think white racism, all of them, even the conservatives will say this, is the worst thing you could ever be. And so yeah. they're totally dedicated to it. Just they're totally dedicated to killing us. So I say right. that's a bad totalitarianism. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just what's the, the opposite of totalitarianism? The opposite of totalitarianism is just, I don't know, just saying, oh, I don't care. Just do anything you want. I'm too busy uh, smoking a joint or whatever. You know, I'm too busy uh, entertaining myself and I can't be bothered. That's a, an individualist society and that's that's deadly too. So, no, I think we need a total dedication to certain goals and certain principles. And first among them is racial survival, survival of our kind. Yeah, I, thought, I saw an excellent meme uh, recently that uh, kind of said it all. It's a man behind bars, and he's got a stick. And to his left in front of the bars is a, is a small loaf of bread, and to his right is a key that can let him out. And it says, if you keep them busy with basic needs, they will forget about the freedom they lost. To me, that meme is very powerful because of the fact that so many people are, are focused on bread and circuses instead of freedom because we don't teach our people what freedom was and how it has to be fought for every day because freedom isn't free. Someone has to die for it. And, and the one thing that really well, pisses me out the most is the fact that ever since I was a kid, I remember watching the 1980 presidential race, and I remember asking mom, I was like – 
Uh, I said, Mom, I said, uh, when can I vote? She's like, when you turn 18. I was like, well, then I can't wait till I turn 18 because I want to vote. And I remember vote my first vote. I actually voted for Ross Perot at the time. But the point was, was that I felt that I find to me, I felt that I finally become a man because I was able to have my voice be heard and thrown in, in into, uh, you know, to play the game. But now I feel almost disenfranchised because I feel like no matter what I vote for, if they want someone or something to get passed, they're just going to take it away. And that's why I'm, I've been a real hardcore advocate down here, making sure we have paper ballots only. Do not use the automated machines because you cannot trust them. There's no paper trails, and they can be easily coerced. Well, I, I'm not a big fan of spending our time in the electoral system and voting because they brought in so many non-whites that we're going to be outvoted almost every time, almost everywhere. So I've sort of given up on that. But I do think it's important to think about freedom. I think we need to not define freedom as just, oh, the freedom of the individual to do whatever he wants. I don't think that's real freedom because believing that way has led to the present where basically we have uh, – lost our ability to continue to exist in the U.S. There's nothing worse than that. And Mm -hmm. I think instead we need to think of we need freedom to do what's right to ensure the survival of our kind on this unforgiving planet. And that's the freedom that matters. That's the freedom that you might call self-determination of a people to determine its own destiny. And for a people to determine its own destiny, it needs land, resources, and its own government, a government answerable only to that people. This whole idea of having every nation, every white nation anyway, must be a multiracial, multicultural nation in which anybody's allowed to participate. That is death. That's death. That's not freedom. That's the opposite of freedom. Like I said, they're denying us the things we need, just that we need to exist. So freedom is the freedom to do whatever is necessary to keep or obtain the things that your people need to exist. That's the only freedom that means anything. Freedom to inject uh, mind-destroying drugs into your body. That's not freedom. Freedom to declare yourself to be the opposite sex or get orgasms in some perverted way that doesn't lead to the birth of white children. That's not freedom. That's just garbage. That's just trash that they're putting out in front of you in hopes that you won't notice that they've taken away your real freedom. Right. And and like I said, my, my biggest issue is that sports, for example – to me, that's the most wasted form of media is any type of sports broadcasting because it's all hy- hypothesis about what a player might do. But right here, for example, we have so many Cincinnati Bengals fans that in, 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 in surprisingly they've actually won some games the last couple of years. But the thing is, these guys literally become part of the collective. It's like every time they talk about the team, it's us and we. Like they have an active role in the team. I was one guy one day said, do you have stock in the team? Do you play on the team? Do you know anybody on the team? Then why are you such a dumbass and actually refer to the Bengals as you? You're not a Bengal. So, I mean, seriously, it's amazing to me how easy these guys are duped over a sports team, yet they'll know everything that quarterback's done his entire throwing career, but they can't even name a Supreme Court justice or even who their own congressman is. That's how far back we've been taken away. And again, the bread and circuses, because of the fact that 
people have lost their way. They don't focus on things that matter. And because civics has been taken out of the education system and, and, and warped so badly, nobody even has a concept of what it even is. And so that's the thing that even good-minded people I've seen in the Republican Party are very easily duped because they have no principles whatsoever. And so we can't even begin to try to fight this thing at the ballot box because of the fact that people have no basic education on how the system even works. And, and you're talking about we need to get people back into our own countries, our own nations again. And, and I don't know if separatism is worth it either because even if we focus on a certain area of the United States and say we're going to make this a completely white region, we could easily cut ourselves off and be landlocked. You know, oh, let's go to Montana. Yeah, that's a good idea. You'll freeze to death in well, time. There, there's no ocean. I would say there's that it's no rivers. I would say that it's a, a little early to be talking about uh, specifics. I think right now it's just important to gather the white people to form institutions. The 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 best white people, the pe- the white people who already agree with us, at least in instinct. Their instincts are loyalty to their race and people who are instinctively appalled and disgusted by what has happened to our people and what it, and, and, and who are appalled and disgusted by the degeneracy that our next generation is being pushed into. I think gathering those people together, we're, the National Alliance is gathering in Upper East Tennessee, which is a very, very, very white area. And it's an area that a lot of white, really uh, accomplished, intelligent white people are fleeing to, to escape the hell holes that our cities have become. And, you know, but it could be, you know, it could be another area. It doesn't have to be that area. And it, I, I don't know. The Alliance has changed its headquarters for practical reasons from West Virginia to Tennessee. It could change again in some future decade. I, I don't know. I, I think that's less important than the actual principle of what we're doing, which is to build an organization that can span the institutions. But eventually, you know, we have to, our organization has to become economically viable to the point where it's self-sustaining. And, you know, look at other subcultures that have succeeded. Uh, The Amish have succeeded. They have spanned the generations and they effectively control a pretty big swath of territory here in my state, Pennsylvania. Uh, the Mormons, even though they may believe crazy things, just like I think the Amish believe some crazy things, nevertheless, they have succeeded in creating a subculture that controls a lot of real estate and a lot of local government and a lot of institutions out west. And uh, they're economically self-sustaining. They're prosperous. Well, we as white people need to do the same things. We, If we don't have some kind of organized group that spans the generations, all of the memeing we do on Gab or other social media, all of the podcasts we do uh, don't amount to anything. We need to start having kids. We need to have business opportunities for those kids. We need to have marriage opportunities for those kids, and we need to educate those kids ourselves. And eventually we'll get to the point that where the Amish and the Mormons are now where they have real power in the local community and because of their economic success, because of their numbers, uh, because of their deeply ramified family infrastructure in that area, they basically, you, you can't cross them without serious consequences and they have an influence over the local politics. Well, we need to get there and then we need to get even farther than there. 
we eventually will need to be even bigger than they are because we need a nation of our own. But it's baby steps. We we since we lost this nation, we've got to start at the beginning. And so that's that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get the best whites, the clearest thinking whites together to do exactly that. Yeah, I mean, it's got to start somewhere. And um, we, we're starting to see some enclaves because we still got the white flight problem, which a lot of that started, especially during the war, because while all of our men are sitting overseas fighting in a BS war that never should have happened in the first place, all the blacks are moving in and, and taking their places and taking their jobs. You always hear about Rosie the Riveter, but you never hear about uh, good old Reginald coming in there and taking over y'all's neighborhood. And then when you try to get them out, the, the uh, FDR administration do everything they could to, and, or even Truman, do everything they could to stop you from trying to stop it. So, I mean, you couldn't win for losing, you know? Well, the United States government was captured by the Jewish power structure, and it, it at that point became the enemy of its own people. It became the enemy of the white people who had originally founded it. It's uh, It's extremely ironic, tragic, uh, and sad. But that's reality, and we have to face reality. That's true. All right, Kevin, uh, are there any final thoughts you have, any projects coming up you'd like our listeners to know about? Well, I would just say the best way to see what we're doing uh, is to go to our websites. So far, they're still online. Uh, If you want to look at the books we have to offer, you can pay with Bitcoin or you can pay with checks or money orders. The Jews have denied us the use of their usury cards, but oh well. Go to cosmotheistchurch.org, and there you could learn also about the greatest legacy that I think Dr. Pierce has left for his people, even greater than the legacy of the National Alliance, is the legacy of the Cosmotheist religion. So go to cosmotheistchurch, all one word, dot O-R-G. If you want to read our news articles, our online magazine is nationalvanguard.org, which also contains many essays by Dr. Pierce, by me and by others. Uh, That's nationalvanguard, all one word, dot O-R-G. And if you want to join us or support us, uh, help what we're doing, pay a visit to uh, our, our community in Upper East Tennessee. You can contact us through this site. It's natal.com. That's the National Alliance Organizational Site, N-A-T-A-L-L.com. And uh, I'd be happy to hear from you. I, if you. If you write in and ask to speak to me, I, I can answer your questions too. I'm accessible. Uh, yeah, just like, uh, quickly, I see a tweet that you had posted. Um, Finland has joined NATO and Sweden will join uh, soon too. The Baltic Sea is turning into Lake NATO. There'll be no place for Russia in it. And you had a very good response that this is a very bad idea. If NATO would reorganize as a bulk work of the white race against the migrant invasion and the illegitimate rule of the globalist bankers, then it'd be different. As it is, the NATO-US Tel Aviv axis is just more slavery and genocide as bad as Putin. And, and, and I've always said NATO was obsolete within five years after the Soviet Union fell because that was the whole purpose of it being there. And so... Um, it, it should have been dissolved a long time ago. At least Trump made them start paying up their bill because we were fitting like, what, almost a third of the whole bill? I said, no wonder we got a debt problem. But now the problem is, is that catalyst to start a whole other global war, and this is the last thing we need right now. Well, NATO, 
used to uh, be, at least it was uh, sold to the public as being a protector of America's institutions and traditions so that international communism would not take over the world and uh, to protect our kinfolk in Europe from further communist uh, takeovers. But now uh, NATO is basically used to enforce uh, homosexual uh, license on every country uh, to uh, force them all to accept uh, Jewish media ownership of their national media, uh, force them to accept uh, usurious Jewish banking, such as the, you know, so that people are dominated by the so-called U.S. dollar, which is really the Jewish usury dollar controlled by the uh, fractional reserve banking system, which is all, mostly Jewish. And uh, that's not what it was intended for. It's it's a it's a force for evil. Now, I as I told you earlier, I I uh, do not carry uh, water for Vladimir Putin. I think he's a, a, a force for evil too. But uh, we have no dog in that fight. Uh, we should not be supporting NATO. However, I will say this: that I am not against having European. Uh, alliances. I'm not even against having a European federation. In other words, a federation of all white nations, uh, European and European derived, you know, that would span the globe from uh, Argentina and Uruguay to Canada, Alaska, uh, Vladivostok, Moscow, Madrid, London, Rome, Athens, all together in a federation to protect our racial interests. I would be all for that. That's why I said what I said. You know, NATO and the EU could be great forces for good in the world if they had a racial basis to help protect our race as a whole. But they don't. In fact, uh, one of the things they do is uh, is enforce and promote Jewish power. And Jewish power is all about open borders for all of Western Europe, open borders for the U.S., Australia, Canada, etc., and destroying our race. So they're really, in many ways, they're the opposite of what they should be. They could be something good, but they're not. Right. It's just like when uh, Scotland was vying for independence, I had wrote a, uh, a pretty scathing article called Scotland Puts the Cart Before the Horse Before Independence. And um, they were trying to bring in some people, some blacks that were being ostracized for being gay or something in some country I forget it was oh come to Scotland yeah just before a vote so they can give him a vote right and then some guy attacked me he goes oh you guys over the pond don't know what's going on blah, blah, blah. I said you know actually I have a pretty keen perspective I said I can see exactly what's going on I said why would you complain and want to slip off the um, the yoke of Westminster and slip on the chains of Brussels because instead of trying to be your own independent nation, you instantly want to jump on the EU and basically have them pay for everything. And, and that's not what's going to happen. You're going to get screwed. And it just kills me the fact that trying, now they got this Pakistani guy that's taken over after Nicola Sturgeon left, and he was complaining about there's so many whites in all the major offices in Scotland. Well, of course. What was it uh, in, in Braveheart? The problem with Scotland is it's full of Scots. Well, don't worry. Pretty soon will be full of Pakistanis. <laughs> you get this guy in there, that's exactly what's going to happen. And you want to talk about genocide on a mass scale, the grooming games are bad enough. But uh, you start advocating that the place is too white, um, you're going to have a serious backlash. And unfortunately, 
Scotland hasn't had the cojones to stand up to a tyranny since the Battle of Culloden. So, I mean, they're going to disappear like phantoms in the night, man. I'm telling you, Scotland is not going to be the same. Well, I I come from a uh, Minnesota-Norwegian-descended background, and I love my people very much. Uh, but they're so badly ruled, miseducated, and they've basically been been castrated. Uh, but I don't think they all have. I think there's a certain subset of Minnesota Norwegians and uh, mm-hmm. Scottish people in Scotland. I've been to Scotland. I love the Scottish people. It's a beautiful, beautiful country in so many ways. The people are wonderful. And I, I would say the same about every European country that I've visited and whose people I know. Um, They've all been laid low and apparently castrated by the horrible ideology they've been filled with, basically coming from the Jewish power structure, the Jewish media, the Jewish control of the educational establishment. And we we need to find our souls again. And I think that we can do that because not everybody has been mentally castrated. There's a certain subset of all of our peoples who in their hearts know that this is all wrong and it goes against something very, very deep inside them. And these are the best Europeans. These are the best white people, the people who know that this is all horribly, horribly, insanely, immorally wrong. And we need to find these people. That's what I'm trying to do with with my work for the National Alliance. We need to find these people get them up to speed on what's actually happening and organize them so we can do something about it. Something that doesn't involve asking permission of the majority of dull voters before we do it. Something that we will simply do because it's the right thing. Something that will ensure the survival of future generations of white children. There, Whatever achieves that goal is the definition of morality. That's what cosmotheism teaches. That's why cosmotheism is important, too. It's a religion that teaches the right moral values. So that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to find those people who know in their hearts that all of this is horribly evil and who are willing to take some risks. Yeah, and then most of all, to stand up. Because of the fact that we don't have a lot of time to be faffing around. We just got to actually get, get up there and start doing stuff because our time is running short. And the more and more that the horde comes in and starts pushing to have illegals allowed to vote and everything else, I mean, this country is going to go hell in a handbasket. I thought it was going to go bad probably within my generation. But I think within my generation, in my lifetime, we're going to not recognize this country at all. I mean, look how much has changed since just since the 70s. I mean, it's... Well, I'm I'm older than you. I already don't recognize it. I mean, yeah, if I go back into rural western Pennsylvania, which is where I live, it almost looks like what America used to look like. It's, there still are places that look that way. But even in medium-sized and small cities, it's basically not recognizable anymore compared to when I was a child. And I was nine years old in 1965 when they opened the borders. So – yeah, uh, it's it's uh, it's sad that our people have failed to act and they've waited this long, but there's no time like now to start acting and doing right. 
Definitely agree. The time is always right, now to do right. Yeah, it's, it's never too late, and it, it, but it may be. But we just got – I mean, people are starting to notice all the advertising is almost completely devoid of white people. If they do show white people, they're baby boomers. They Basically, they're elderly. I mean, I, I get – one of my uh, email addresses is AOL, and I see these ads pop up all the time. And actually, this actually has an opportunity. There's three little dots above the, uh, above the ad. You can click on it and say, do you like this ad or dislike this ad? Every time I see something that actually has a white person or even no person at all, I'll click like. As soon as I see one that has colored people in it, I automatically click dislike. So I don't know if they're actually reading those metrics or not. But I think after a while, it's working because I'm starting to see different ads coming in, especially things that show inanimate objects instead of people. But the point is, if you do have an opportunity to like an ad, Tell it you don't like it because that's how you know that they'll, they'll realize, hey, you know, uh, all the colored stuff we're putting out there is not getting very good re- uh, feedback. Well, we need to uh, we need to have a uh, a system where we we're writing the ads, we're creating the ads, not the Jewish advertising agencies. That's the problem. So give I don't think giving them uh, changed metrics is really going to help too much. What we need to do is people need to. Uh, read the list of the ownership. First of all, just look up what are the major advertising agencies and then look at who owns them and who runs them. Exactly. And you will see yeah. it's not our people. It's, it's, it's the people who hate us and want us dead. And that's why they're doing what they're doing. They're trying to demoralize us and they're trying to uh, bend the minds of our young people to accept multiracialism, to accept the future in which they are the tiny minority. And, you know, to hell with that. I, I don't, I, I think we need, instead of thinking, uh, oh, how bad this is, we need to think in terms of how can we set a society up so that we run the ad agencies and they are out on their ear and their wealth is seized and they're, you know, <laughs> either in prison or in exile uh, forever. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the kind of way we need to start thinking and then do it. Yeah, it's definitely a plus. All right, Kevin, uh, if people want to help donate to the Dr. Pierce Library, they can go to your uh, Cosmotheum website to be able to actually go and maybe donate? Yes, you can go to natall.com. You can just go to natall.com slash donate if they would like to help. It's N-A-T-A-L-L dot com slash donate. That will get them there. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, good. That way, if people want to support that, they they have an option. All right, sir. We appreciate you coming on. And again, you always do a great broadcast. Um, you always enjoy your content, and you always have a very interesting angle. And, and you're always trying to empower whites to start thinking for themselves and stop um, believing the Bolshevik lies. Well, I uh, I just see the situation, and I have a certain responsibility and a certain number of uh, minutes on this planet. So I'm going to try to use them as best I can. Thank you for the good words. Yes, definitely a plus. All right, sir. Talk to you again soon. Okay. Thanks for having me on right. your show. It was great. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, that's Kevin Alfred Strom. Again, you can find his program on American Dissonant Voices. You can listen to it on resolutionrdo.com on Mondays. You can also go to nationalvanguard.org. There's a link up above. Uh, you can click on the radio program and listen to it there as well. Uh, so, and then I know there's other 
opportunities to hear his program that other people may have um, re-uploaded themselves. So again, it, it doesn't matter what where it's at, where it's located, listen to it. When I first started coming across it, I was like, wow, I enjoyed his cadence. Uh, he's got a, a good speaking voice. But more importantly, he gets the program short. So within like 20, 25 minutes, you get a lot of information on a particular topic um, jam-packed and uh, a lot of stuff. Plus, if you actually go to the links that are featured on the show on National Vanguard, like he was talking about um, the young man, Chase Allen, who was um, killed by cops. He actually has links to uh, some of the video footage. Uh, things of that nature as well, as well as other links. So, again, there's a lot of information he puts into the program that may not always be on another outlet. So, but the bottom line is we featured here because of the fact that we syndicated here because of the fact that we, he has a lot of information we, that we want to be heard. And uh, he gets some pretty good numbers um, from all over the place. So, it's actually pretty good. And, again, we've got some really good listenership. Um, from Russia, of all places. I think Russia, we've got, uh, let me double check. Uh, I think we've, last time I looked, we had over 5% of our listening base is in Russia. Let me double check real quick just to make sure. Um, wow, it's gone up. Almost 6% of our listening base is in Russia. <laughs> That's amazing. It's gone up. 5.77%. It was like 5.1% um, a couple weeks ago, but it's gone up. It's gone up. We're starting to get more listenership in the U.K. now, uh, 4.5%, as well as in Deutschland. Deutschland has actually showed up within the top five of uh, demographics here <clears throat> at almost 3%. So it is definitely significantly increased um, in Germany. So thank you to my fellow kinsmen from Deutschland. Always good to hear that as well. Okay, so um, um, guests here on the Sunday Thomas Show. Uh, Harold Zeger will be re uh, coming back to us soon to promote the second edition of his book, Freedom's Nightmare. I encourage you to definitely go check it out. Uh, you can buy it on Amazon. Uh, definitely recommend you also check out the website that features it. And wait for it to load here. Yes, author as in an author, uh, A U T H O R H Zieger, Z I E G E R dot com. Uh, there's a link to his to his email in there as well that you can also uh, send him an email. If you actually purchase the book directly from him, um, he he will sign it for you. So he has the second edition of Freedom's Nightmare which um, I have heard, actually, someone's actually interested in possibly making a film out of it. I thought that was actually pretty good. He's working on a second book called uh, They Am Living on My Knees. So he's uh, working on that as we speak. Um, he's recently been on the Kate Daly Show, as well as uh, her, her extra hour on the uh, InfoWars uh, channel as well. So he's on two days in a row. That was really cool. So you can check out that book. Eventually, I am going to get the Resolution Radio store up and running. I'm looking at some potential places now. I've seen a couple where you have to have at least three items to consider a store. So we're going to need to uh, re-up our T-shirts, and I'm going to try to get some extra copies of uh, Harold's book as well. Maybe even have 
a limited edition amount of signed copies that we can uh, mark up a little bit as a fundraiser to help support the broadcast. And we can also uh, work on trying to increase our equipment here. We've been very, very, very been lucky the last several years that we've had some people that either consistently support us or have sent us fairly decent donations that we're able to buy extra equipment such as external hard drives um, or even able to, um, uh, I was able to get one of my computers serviced because in fact it really needed it bad and uh, I just did not have the know-how how to do it. And so we were able to pay for that expense thanks to a, a private donation. So thank you very much. So again, we have a lot of people that support us and we do appreciate um, uh, your support and we also appreciate many of those that supported the Resolution Radio Blood Tea and have sent us pictures of them featured um, with it, including some of our also featured hosts, such as Andreas Johansson uh, from Nordic Frontier. So we oftentimes feature his picture uh, in the slideshow segment of um, his program. So we, we've uh, had some format issues we finally get some stuff done. Like I said, I was able to reformat this other computer. And so some of our other shows have been lagging because of longer. Uh, they will be back in regular circulation, regular circulation probably this week. So I'm very happy about that. So lastly, I wanted to play a clip from Tucker Carlson. And uh, this is actually featured on Zero Hedge. Uh, the last war we can afford to fight. Tucker Carlson sounds Alarm over de-dollarization slams Biden administration for pissing off world. And um, I think Tucker once again gets a home run right out of the ballpark. So here is his segment. For nearly 80 years since the end of the Second World War, the U.S. dollar has effectively been the currency of the world for our entire lifetimes. There was virtually no place on the entire globe you could go that would turn down a 20. Andrew Jackson's face beside the famous seal of the U.S. Treasury was probably... America's best-known export, from Dar es Salaam to Sri Lanka to the smallest gold mining outpost in the Amazon basin. Every shopkeeper on earth recognized a $20 bill. The dollar was universal, and not just universal in commerce, though the majority of international transactions were conducted in dollars, but universally held as a long-term store of value globally. The world's central banks stockpiled U.S. dollars far more than any other currency. Now, most Americans may not have known that, or they did, but it doesn't matter what they knew. It was very good for everyone who lives here. Because there were so many U.S. dollars in circulation outside of the country, the cost of borrowing money inside the country remained artificially low. And that's one of the reasons that in this country, America, middle-class people could buy their own homes. The U.S. government, meanwhile, was able to run up astronomical debts without many obvious consequences. Now, from time to time, the Congress would debate something called the debt ceiling, but it was abstract. For most people, the entire topic didn't seem very relevant to their lives because for most of the time, it really wasn't. America printed the U.S. dollar. We controlled the global reserve currency, and that meant that for us, money was cheap. We had privileges that nobody else in the world had. It's been very nice, but what would happen if it ended? You don't even really want to think about that because the consequences would be too ugly really ugly. But we started to worry about it about a year ago, really the day the Russian military rolled over the Ukrainian border. Now, by itself, that was a destabilizing event. War always is destabilizing. It always challenges the existing order. But it was the West's reaction to the Russian invasion that seemed ominous. 
policymakers in the U.S. went insane. Joe Biden, helped by his Republican allies in the Senate, appeared to be determined not simply to topple the Russian government in some kind of regime change war, but to blow up the post-war economic order that had served the U.S. so generously for so long. So we thought at the time that the real threat to our future wasn't just the billions we were sending to Zelensky. That was reckless, but probably not going to end America. The real threat was the unprecedented economic sanctions that Joe Biden was allowed to, in fact, encouraged to, impose. Those sanctions, you'll recall, were supposed to hurt Russia. But even in March of last year, it seemed obvious they were going to hurt the United States much more than they hurt Russia. Here's what we said 13 months ago. We should prepare to lose our position as holder of the world's reserve currency. That is happening in slow motion. It's unmistakable. Now, the Biden people seem to have no idea this is going on, or maybe they want it to happen. Joe Biden was up there at the State of the Union bragging about how he took 30 points off the Russian ruble in a single day. Hooray! Good for us! But once we stop celebrating our win, the destruction of the Russian economy, they deserve it. you got to wonder, is there a downside to this? Could it be a Pyrrhic victory? Let's see. These policies have driven Russia, China, India, Turkey, and other countries to accelerate their flight from the U.S. dollar. Now, to be clear, that's the majority of the global economy. This may be the most reckless and destructive thing any American president has ever done to the United States. So that was last year, and at the time, it was really just yelling into the wind. Those views were considered absurd, even treasonous. Biden and his Republican allies described sanctions against Russia as morally essential. So we seized oligarchs' yachts at Anchor. We closed the Apple store in Moscow. We were all assured these were important victories, and anyone who asked questions about their long-term economic consequences was a Putin stooge. That was the consensus in Washington last spring, in case you've forgotten what it sounded like. The purpose of the sanctions has always been and continues to be deterrent. But let's also recognize the unique nature of the sanctions that we have outlined. These are some of the greatest sanctions, if not the the, the strongest, that we've ever issued. The president believes that sanctions are intended to deter. As to the sanctions, um, the most important thing we can do is to use them as a deterrent, uh, as a means of dissuading Russia from engaging in further aggression. We're right now enforcing powerful economic sanctions. We're cutting off Russia's largest banks in the international financial system, preventing Russia's central bank from defending the Russell ruble, making Putin's $630 billion war fund worthless. People are such buffoons, and all the Republican senators nodding in agreement. You watch that, and you wonder if they really believe what they were telling you. If they really did believe that, they're stupider than they look. These sanctions were never going to work in the way they promised because, unlike the United States, Russia does not have a late-stage finance economy. Russian oligarchs do not get rich from credit default swaps. They get rich from selling actual things that people need in order to live. Oil, gas, iron, fertilizer, coal, wheat. By some measures, Russia has the largest resource economy in the world. Oh, okay. So they can barter if they needed to. So a year later, despite the sanctions you were told are the greatest ever devised, the Russian ruble is just as strong against the U.S. dollar as it was before the war in Ukraine. So we didn't really hurt Russia with those sanctions, certainly not long term. Would we hurt ourselves? 
E.J. Antoni and Peter St. Ange wrote an incisive piece in the Daily Caller last week that explains part of why this happened. Quote, a critical feature of a reserve currency is its apolitical nature, which Biden is now gutting. After both parties in Washington destroyed the dollar's stability with inflation, now the Biden administration has chosen to wield the dollar as a weapon. Together, these two factors send a message to foreigners, which is they should get out while they still can. In response to Russia's war with Ukraine, the U.S. froze the dollar reserves of Russia's central bank. To be clear, these were not American assets. These were dollars owned by the Russian central bank and the Russian people. The seizure was intended to cause bank runs and collapse Russia's credit system. It didn't work. Instead, it exposed the Biden administration's willingness to violate the trillions of dollars that foreigners rightfully own. The danger of this precedent is difficult to overstate, end quote. Now, all of us saw that happening, but you couldn't say anything because Russia, bad. We can't even watch their hockey teams. All right. But what do you think happened next as we were jumping up and down and talking about Winston Churchill? Well, smart, smart foreigners, and there are some, believe it or not, started to dump the U.S. dollar. Why? Because the U.S. dollar was no longer a reliable store of value. Suddenly, it was a political weapon that could be wielded at will against anyone who held it. So what if you had a border dispute with one of your neighbors that the State Department hadn't authorized? Or what if you accidentally criticized transgender theology and irritated the human rights campaign? Well, the U.S. government might denounce you as immoral and then confiscate all your money. Because they just did that with Russia. And as a result, dollars began to look much less appealing to the rest of the world. And so de-dollarization began. And it has accelerated at remarkable speed, almost without comment in the American media, over the last year. So Russia announced it will conduct business in Asia, Africa, and Latin America in Chinese currency. Brazil, which has a brand new government supported by the Biden administration, announced it will do the same thing. Brazil, largest economy in the hemisphere after ours. Pakistan is doing the same thing. That's a longtime U.S. ally. India and Malaysia, two of the biggest economies in the world, announced they'll be settling their trade in their own currencies, not the dollar. Even France, which we liberated, is using Chinese currency in a new liquefied natural gas trade. China and Saudi Arabia are now major business partners. And, and again, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's happening around the world, and all of it is shutting out the U.S. dollar. And it's happening a lot faster than anybody could have predicted. And yet no one in Washington seems aware that it is happening. So if you wanted the rest of the world to trust your currency, the last thing you would do is use it as a weapon or print too much of it. Printing too much of your currency causes inflation, and that saps the value of the currency. No one wants to hold a currency that is worth less consistently every year. That's sixth grade economics, but Joe Biden can't be bothered with that. So he's printing more money. Here he is last week announcing another $10 billion check. Not for you or East Palestine or anyone in our country who needs it, but for foreign governments. Working in close cooperation with the United States Congress, we plan to add another $690 million for new funding for the presidential initiative over the next two years. And over the course of three years, my administration intends to work with Congress to commit $9.5 billion across all our efforts to advance democracy around the world. We're all safer when that occurs. We've been asking for months for any Republican senator who supports this. 
whether it's Tom Tillis or John Corn of the Texas, to come on the show and calmly explain why you support this. None of them have accepted our invitation. But at this point, you begin to wonder, what does the United States have that will retain its value over time? We should do an inventory of our assets. So Biden, as you just saw, is continuing to send the contents of our treasury, our dollars, to corrupt oligarchs in Eastern Europe and around the world. And yet at the very same time, and you should pay attention to this, he's selling off America's most valuable hard asset. That's our strategic petroleum reserve. Because unlike the U.S. dollar, oil, which is in the reserve, has inherent value. Oil is the densest store of transportable energy known to man. So unlike fiat currencies like the dollar, oil will always have value. That's why Russia is not now impoverished, because they have a lot of oil. But we have less because the SPR has been drained. In the last fiscal year, the Biden administration sold off 218 million barrels of oil, including bewilderingly, criminally, to the government of China. How much oil is that? It's more oil sold from the SPR in one year than in all previous years combined. So what happens when we empty it? Well, there's not much left. But what about our gold? Oh, 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 America's gold reserves have not been fully audited in generations. So they can say whatever they want, but the truth is we don't really know how much gold is in Fort Knox. So the SPR becomes even more vital, and now it's disappearing. And as it does, the power of the United States ebbs. At some point, what's going to be left? They'll be draining the Great Lakes and shipping the water to the Gobi Desert for cotton farming. They'll be selling the curtains. So how do you fix this? Well... Ending the war in Ukraine immediately would help, which we could do, because we're in charge of NATO, but we're not even trying. In fact, we're pushing even harder for a direct conflict with nuclear-armed Russia. And politicians in Washington remain mired in their weird boomer World War II fantasies where they're all Winston Churchill and Zelensky is the head of the French resistance. We can give a million examples, but we can't resist, once again, the leader of the Republicans in the Senate, Mitch McConnell, last month. I'm going to try to help explain to the American people that defeating the Russians in Ukraine is the single most important event going on in the world right now. Defeating the Russians in Ukraine is not the single most important event in the world from the perspective of the United States. It's not even number 15 on the list. It's way below ending the importation of fentanyl into this country, and it's way, way below preserving the strength of the U.S. dollar. But if Mitch McConnell and Joe Biden and the rest of these reckless leaders have their way, an increasing number of countries will do what so many have already done, which is begin to reject the U.S. dollar. And what will happen then? Well, all those dollars will come home. And the value of our currency will plummet even further. And that will lead to poverty across the United States. And that will lead to the typical political and cultural volatility that inevitably follows economic collapse. Disaster. And we've seen it before. Of course, you know the famous pictures from Germany in the early 20s, banknotes and wheelbarrows. When I buy up a cup of coffee, that'll be 30 pounds of currency. Kids playing with worthless stacks of Deutschmarks. That was called Weimar, the Weimar Republic. And that government collapsed because of hyperinflation. And then economic collapse led to communist revolutions across Germany and ultimately to fill in the blank, the Nazi regime. That's well known. In fact, it's a cliche at this point. But here's the thing that nobody seems to remember. What brought on the economic collapse that set the world on fire. Anyone remember that? Why did the German government blow up its own currency? Well, simple. The German government took on too much debt in order to pay for a pointless war. Yes, a pointless war did that. And if that sounds familiar, it's because exactly what we have done repeatedly for decades. We did it in Vietnam. 
We did it in Iraq. We did it in Afghanistan. And every time we got away with it, because uniquely, we held the world's reserve currency. But this time could be very, very different. A war against Russia will be the last war we can afford to fight. Yeah, and that's just the beginning. And this is exactly what they want. The whole purpose of World War One was to take down the old world order, which was the monarchies of all of Europe. And they did successfully take down several, uh, even obviously making Kaiser Wilhelm abdicate the throne when just when Germany was in the throes of victory, uh, getting ready to win major offensives. Uh, and, and again, Germany didn't start the war. They got thrown into it because of the fact that they had alliances with other countries that were already involved in the conflict. This is the very reason why Washington always said, trade with all, alliances with none, because we can't afford to get involved in these matters. It's not our fight. So you can get back in the fight, their fight, our fight. It doesn't matter. It's not our fucking problem. But they were because of the fact that they had uh, alliances and they had treaties put together. So, again, this is why we have to be very careful who we have alliances with because they oftentimes will get us in trouble or even worse, they'll turn against us because they're not getting what they want. So now the U.S. was was starting to be respected again a little bit under Trump. It was very respected under Reagan because I knew Reagan was tough and he wouldn't put up any bullshit. Um, and, And as far as economically, I think Trump did a lot more than Reagan did. Because Reagan was uh, was controlled by his neocon vice president as well as his cabinet. But the bottom line that we really need to consider is we need to start preparing now. We need to make sure we've got a system in place. You need to have your bug out uh, bag ready. You need to have places to bug out too, out in the sticks somewhere. Get away from the cities. Make sure that when all else fails and our people can't do anything about this anymore, it's going to be survival of the fittest. You better make sure you know who your friends and family are and make sure you know who, most importantly, who your neighbors are. Because if they think you have one up on anything they don't have, they will throw you under the bus and will report you to the Stasi. Because of the fact that they don't want they don't want you to have something that they don't. It's just human nature and it's just envy. So you have to really consider the consequences that are getting ready to happen. And you want to get out of the cities as much as possible. As much as white flight is should not be encouraged, it has to be realized that it may be a necessity for our people to survive. And so these are things you're going to have to consider because with the next war that comes in this country, it won't be states versus states. It's going to be neighbor against neighbor. And some of these left-wing motherfuckers are starting to get well-armed. So And they're starting to learn how to use them. And they won't hesitate to walk into a particular place just like uh, – a lot of these keffers do in South Africa go on some farm and just uh, ransack, rape, and pillage the place and torture the, the inhabitants inside of those houses. I mean, some of the graphic detail I've seen in some of the crime scenes of what they do to the, to those, uh, to the boer there is completely unacceptable. But when you got a bunch of savages running around, that's the first thing they're going to do. They're going to attack the women. They're going to kill your children. They're going to make sure you live to see it long enough. Before they take you out Talk about hell on earth It's coming And again, Christianity is not going to save your ass Almighty God and his son Jesus You need Jesus, sweet baby Jesus He ain't going to come and save your fucking ass The only thing that's going to save your ass Is probably Smith and Wesley (laughs) 
or Henry Longpeter or anything else. So make sure you have the skills. Go get yourself some gun clubs. There are plenty of places that have gun ranges uh, on private property, uh, also uh, for public consumption. You know, some of them have monthly fees. Some of them have very minimal fees to be able to go out and, and uh, get some basic shooting lessons. Find out friends who know how to shoot. Get ex-military to show you not not just how to shoot, but also CQB. You need to know how to hold your, your firearm when you walk inside your house so you don't get yourself taken out. So that's another issue in itself. So learn how to use the tools, or they will be used against you. There's nothing worse than being shot by your own pistol. That's for sure. All right, Salam Jama, and um, thank you very much for Kevin Alpha Strong for coming on to the program. Again, you can listen to American Distant Voices here on the Resolution Radio Network on Mondays, and uh, we always enjoy um, the uh, great content that he brings to the show as to well to the network. So uh, we're going to close tonight with some good stuff. Um, actually, um, let's close with 96 Brigade. Red equals dead. You know, I'd rather live on my, I'd rather die on my feet than live on my knees, man. Or somebody's like, better dead than red. No, fuck that, dude. Red equals dead. You'll be a dead man walking and then you won't even know it. So, yeah, we're going to close tonight with 96 Brigade. Red equals dead. Salachama. Recognizing a communist, physical appearance counts for nothing. If he openly declares himself to be a communist, we take his word for it. If a person consistently reads and advocates the views expressed in a communist publication, he may be a communist. If a person supports organizations which reflect communist teachings, or organizations labeled communist by the Department of Justice, she may be a communist. If a person defends the activities of communist nations while consistently attacking the domestic and foreign policy of the United States, she may be a communist. Yeah, we put you down once before. Best out, nigga.
Listen to Resolution Radio, 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 ResolutionRDO.com. My brothers, my sisters, I bring you a message of solidarity, a call to action, and a demand for adherence to duty of an Aryan resurgence and ultimately total Aryan victory. We have broken the chains of Jewish thought. We know not the meaning of the word mine, it is ours. Our race, the totality of our people. Ten hearts, one beat. One hundred hearts, one beat. Ten thousand hearts, one beat. We are born to fight and to die and to continue the flow. The flow of our people. Onward we will go, onward to the stars, high above the mud, the mud of yellow, black, and brown. So kinsman, duty calls. The future is now. If months from now you have not yet fully committed yourself to the Alliance, then you have an effect not only betrayed your race, you have betrayed yourself. So stand up like men and drive the enemy into the sea. Stand up like men and swear a sacred oath upon the green graves of our sires that you will reclaim what our forefathers discovered, explored, conquered, settled, built, and died for. Stand up like men and reclaim our soil. Kinsmen, arise. Look toward the stars and proclaim our destiny. Defeat never, victory forever. <laughs> 